here is your host of Talking Bollocks, it's me! Yes, um, I am back folks, it is time for uh, December's Talking Bollocks and um, what can I say, it has been an exceedingly busy month. Yes, Howard does make exceedingly long podcasts. Um, as you can tell by the in the background there, um, I am not at home, I am uh, up north at my mum's house, I'm recording, oh there we go. All the childhood clocks going off here. That's clocks. So, uh, welcome. This is Talking Bollocks December edition 2015. It's been a good while coming. It's 23rd of December. There's another clock going off. It's like a... And another! Awesome! What a fucking mess this is already. Um, So, um... Uh, Yeah, sorry it's been taking a while to get going, but let's do the intro as normal. I'm your host, Howard H. Smith. I am also the singer in rebooted UK thrash metal band Acid Rain. I'm also a stand-up comedian. I MC uh, gigs as myself. I also work as a character called Keith Platt. You can get hold of keithplatt.co.uk, acidrain.co.uk. Tweet at Keith Platt. Tweet at Acid Rain UKAC. Tweet at Talking Bollocks with a Z on the end talking bollocks but with a, instead of an S with a Z on the end we're everywhere you found the podcast make sure you try and subscribe okay make sure you subscribe via some uh, where, some podcast app or something like that and please download the episodes via Wi-Fi don't stream them if you've got a data um uh, cap. Make sure you download them via Wi-Fi. Then there they are. You can listen to them whenever you like, on the bus, on the tube, whilst you're mining for uh, platinum on the moons of Mars. Wherever you may be, you'll be able to take my voice with you. Thank you. So anyway, um, yeah. Sorry, it's, it's it's just been a fucking hectic month, and ideally, I wouldn't even be recording this this morning. I am now on my. Uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I've, yeah, I've got another cold. Fuck it, I'm just having one after another at the moment. So sorry about that. But anyway, here we go. Um, it's been a, yeah, it's been a very 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 um, exciting month. Um, played um, Rock City with Lawmo Death on Friday a few days ago, which was fucking awesome. Had a great time. Um, but also this month, I um, well, I went to see Slayer and Anthrax, and as I'm sure you're aware, there is going to be a um, Boxing Day special with the one and the only Gary Holt. Um, so look out for that on December the 26th. Hopefully, um, that will help with any. Uh, uh, basically, just stick your headphones in and ignore the relatives that come round. Whatever. So anyway, yeah, went to see the uh, went to see the gig. Thoughts on it? Um, I've got to say, I have to say, Anthrax were thoroughly pedestrian. Um, they just kind of came and went. Um, I really, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't feeling it. Um, it was. Uh, Charlie Benante was awesome as as always. There just seemed to be a complete lack of atmosphere. And to be honest, if I'm honest, it's, yeah, it's just a real sort of meh. Really, um, they played um, the opening riff from Sergeant D, the SOD, um, and played that whole sort of section. and And I thought people would go mental, and they didn't. I thought it was a highlight for me. Um, and, and just Joey really overcooked it. Don't get me wrong, I like Joey Belladonna, but uh, you know he was giving it the old in in instrumental bits where you're not supposed to, or well, at least that's how I see it. Um, and he has got some of the worst patter in thrash metal. You know, I mean, fucking hell, 
If he and if he gave it the devil horn sign once while that gig on, he did it fucking twenty times. And uh, yeah, it's just I was just like, oh, Joey, you know, any chance you could fucking turn it in? Um, so yeah, and then and and so I was, and for some reason, Scott Ian's doing this effective, this affected sort of this sort of growl at the audience. So who here likes thrash metal? Yep, fucking redundant question, Scott. Really, two of the big four playing. You know, you're just being fucking lazy. Um, and then to kind of top it all, right at the end, um, it, Scott Ian brings his fucking kid on stage. Well, she's... T- I'm not clapping her. She's done fuck. How, how many songs on Among the Living did she fucking write? Hey, why don't you just bring your dog on stage? Let that run around. I'm sorry, but it's the same with sportsmen as well when they start fucking dragging their kids on. It's just a fuck off, will you, mate? Seriously, don't bring your kid. No one else is there. Bring their dogs on. Bring their cats on. Whatever you know, just fucking leave the human rat on the side of the stage. Sorry, but kids just fucking wind me up. But in this case, it's not kids; it's his parents. But there you go. So yeah, it was um, uh, it, it, it was cool. But I tell you what was cool. It was great to meet up with. Um, it was great to meet up with with Gary after all these years. But I, I'll talk about that on uh, Boxing Day podcast. Sad, sad, sad news in the uh, in the world of rock drumming. Uh, the legend, the greatest ever, uh, Neil Peart, looks like he has retired, or he seems to have been mentioning it. Uh, and Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson have certainly said, that, like, you know, they're both up for touring, but someone isn't, you know. And and that's that's fair enough. There's the, I mean, it's amazing the chemistry that those guys have, and it's it's amazing the way they've just they get on after all these years. But yeah, they're um, especially when it's supposed to be two's company. But um, that's very very sad. That's very sad. I, I I'm I mean I can think you can say I'm pretty sure that the minute that quote was made available on the internet. Um, Portnoy would have been on the phone to Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson, um, you know, basically, all right, guys, yeah, I mean, if you want to carry on, I'll do it, I'll do it, because I've done all the bestest things ever since I left Dream Theatre, and I'm really not bothered about leaving Dream Theatre, I mean, look at this, I'm, I'm, you know, I jumped into Twisted Twisted Sister before AJ Perro was in the fucking ground, so, you know, if you need someone, I'm your cunt, I'm sure that conversation would have been had if if nothing else in Portnoy's head um and then going off onto a completely different tangent Scott we uh, Scott Whelan was um uh, was found dead in a bunk on his tour bus um and I don't think any of us know quite you know what happened there I think you know drugs are suspected but uh yeah I wouldn't want to speculate at this stage but yeah a real shame um dude was yeah dude was had had pipes you know, he could sing, really fucking sing. So, yeah, bit of a loss, bit of a loss. Not, not a massive um, uh, Stone Temple Pilots fan, I've got to admit, but um, but still, you know, you'd, you don't see, you don't like to see pe- major people in bands fucking, you know, dying, basically, do you? Um, uh, so what else have we got? Oh, yeah, um, Acid Rain <laughs> played the, uh, the Eindhoven Metal Meeting, um, which was pretty awesome. Um, uh, mostly awesome for afterwards. Uh, oh, hang on. Ah, fucking hell, guys. I'm fucking dying here. Hang on, I'm gonna go and get some. I never do this, but I'm gonna have to go and get some. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go blow my nose, basically. Hang on.
so uh, that wasn't um, particularly brilliant of me. I should have. I, I genuinely thought I had some um, had some uh, toilet roll tissue, whatever you want to call it, here, but uh, but obviously not. So anyway, um, yeah, the highlight highlight of uh, the Eindhoven meeting for me was afterwards. We were backstage, just come off, and I suddenly heard this voice shout, "Howard!" And I looked around, and um, and it was Dan Lilka. What a, what a l- lovely surprise! Lovely surprise. So uh, we got to have a little bit of a chat. Um, some of you may have seen um, outrageous band selfie that we uh, that we did as well. Um, I'll I'll post that uh, on the Talking Ballers Facebook page. I'll tweet it out um, as I will with a few uh, interesting links here. Um, yeah, there's um, uh, Kev erstwhile Acid Rain guitarist, ex Acid Rain guitarist, sent me a um, sent me a YouTube link, and it's cutest girls um, playing shredding metal. Thought okay, fair enough. And there's just young girls shredding metal. And he says, go to three minutes thirty three, and there is Twisters, the Metal Sisters, Kiana and Sasha, right, playing Creative Restraint by Acid Rain. Unfucking believable. So I'm going to see if I can track them down and get them on the podcast just for a laugh. Um, actually, sorry, no, not just for a laugh, but you know, I, that that sounded very disrespectful. Um, just to find out, you know how they uh, how they got into metal, etc. How they got into uh, the world's square danciest band, obviously. Um, so yeah, two awesome women in metal right there for you. Yeah, anyone thinking I'm a sexist? Fuck you. Um, but um, uh, so uh, and I tell you what can really get on my almost get on my fucking nerves, and I know it shouldn't, right? But the constant fucking press. That this and I, and for those of you who haven't seen it, I apologise in advance. But the load of press that this fucking robot heavy metal band keep getting, right? There is tons of fucking bands out there who are working their asses off. I don't particularly mean you know I don't mean Acid Rain. I mean all sorts of bands with human beings in who could do the press to help them make a living but constantly we see this fucking robot heavy metal band wheeled out like like they really exist that oh they're looking for a singer is the hu- is the last humorous article i saw no they're fucking not they're a fucking pack of robots for fuck's sake i mean it's it's fucking pathetic it really is honestly mind you at least they look more relaxed and natural on stage than the fucking scorpions christ they always looked a bit fucking Germanic. They always looked a bit weird. Ah, yes, heavy metal pose B now, yes? Um, and, uh, yeah, they look a bit weird. But there you go. Actually, to be fair, I don't want to say it, do I? I really don't, because I love them. But the robot heavy metal band are probably, you know, it's kind of sort of animal. No, sorry, machine version of Rammstein, isn't it, really? If 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 I'm really honest. But uh, seriously, I mean, it can all just fuck off. I'm sick and tired of it. I really fucking am. It's it's well boring, bruv. Well boring. Um, so uh, oh, the other thing that's been going on as well, of course, is um, especially for any Australian listeners. Um, hello, Bruce, if you're there. Um, uh, yeah, the uh, the Soundwave Festival has been cancelled, um, which was running for, for it's, it's run for years and it's 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 gone. And it had a decent bill. Now, the owner is saying... that The guy who runs it saying it's being cancelled due to poor ticket sales. But we now know that his company was... was Had got... You know, owed some serious money in the millions. Like, in the tens of millions. 
Um, so I'm not quite sure how valid that claim is that you know that it was lack of ticket sales because it's a very very strong bill. There was all sorts of people on there, um, and if I, if this was a proper podcast and um, you know I'd done my uh, my, my um, research, I'd be able to tell you who was on. Fuck it. Okay, let's have a look. Right, but yeah, it's I mean it, it's it's very very sad for. Um, uh, the people of Australia, because as it is, they get um, fuck all bands touring out there, and a festival was a way of uh, you know uh, uh, of getting them um, uh, of getting a lot of bands over bands that um, you wouldn't normally you know you, you they wouldn't normally get that far. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a real shame. It's a real shame, uh, and and yet another sign of of things not really being not really being very well um and uh yeah uh, right okay here we go let's have a look um because the actual soundwave festival um website is is now down um right here's how it was sold um right okay so i can't really see god the whole thing Oh, the whole thing looks like an absolute fucking mess. It really does. In fact, this could do with uh, you know more research than I'm um, than I'm going to be able to give it. Uh, but basically, yeah, it looks it looks like it was completely, yeah, just completely fucked before it even started. And it looks like people are just trying to share the blame between the ticketing company uh, and the owner AJ Madder, who apparently has gone to ground and nobody can find. Um, so that's never good, is it? But um, but anyway, um, uh, sounds I'm listening to at the moment. Um, I've picked up the new um, uh, the new Baroness album, Purple, um, which uh, which I you know which I think is uh, it's it's interesting. If you like Mastodon, you pre- you can like it. the only way I can describe it is like it's like Mastodon but a bit more stoner. Um, and for that reason, I have to say I I do like it. I'm enjoying it, but it's not. It's not really grabbing me at the moment. It's not. It's not really gripping my shit, as I believe the phrase is. Um, but you know, hey, look, may, maybe it may, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly worth checking out if I were you guys. Um, so anyway, look, let's get on with the first. Uh, let's get on with the first interview here because um, I am fucking struggling to be honest with you guys. I really am. Right. Um, this is an interview with Mike Schiff. Now, Mike um, uh, was brought to my attention by Craig All About The Rock. Hello, Craig. Everybody visit allaboutherock.co.uk. There'd be no podcast without it. Thank you. Um, and um, he put me onto Mike, who's basically... He's, he's doing a, a documentary called The History of Metal and Horror. And I was a bit sceptical about doing this initially, but I won't say any more because you'll hear it at the beginning of the interview. Uh, but this guy has interviewed the good and the great already. You know, everyone from Corey Taylor um, of Slipknot all the way through to Alice Cooper, who is just Alice Cooper, isn't he, really? He's not of Alice Cooper. He's not Alice Cooper of, of anything, really, of the Alice Cooper band. It's, it's Alice Cooper. So, um, so yeah... Um, this is my interview with Mike Schiff. Um, we we tried to interview, we tried to do this two or three times, and it didn't happen. So you know, you'll hear us talking about how we kept missing each other, um, and then get on with the interview. Uh, but it's really cool, and this is going to be a class. This is going to be a really class documentary. Uh, I will post all links, but I'll also give you addresses at the end of the interview where you, where you can reach him. Um, and it's really cool. So this is me and Mike chatting a few months ago. 
Recording now. <clears throat> Let's call Mike. Here we go. Hello? Hello, Mike. Hey, how are you? I'm really well. How are you? Good, thanks. Excellent. We, we've, we've made it at last. Yeah, finally. It's been just one of those things. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it seems it ultimately worked out, so, so we're good. Yeah, here we are. And, um, and, and, both, freela- and both freelancers, so, um, uh, yeah, we, I, I, I feel your pain. Yeah, you can totally relate, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so uh, uh, what, what is it that you're, um, that you're freelancing at the moment? I uh, just doing random of uh, you know I work, I've been working in video production for for years so I've just uh, just been doing that kind of work and uh, I might be working on a on a film project next month for about two weeks so that's something uh, something to look forward to but yeah it's all just random you know video production type stuff you know just uh, anything from live events music videos um, you know sometimes corporate things to pay the bills you know just all kinds of a whole wide array of stuff. Yeah, in other words, the same the same stuff that that we all do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you, you go wherever the money goes. Exactly, exactly. And you can only hope that some of the jobs are going to be a little bit more fun than others. But um, yeah, yeah, overall yeah. it's all right. The, yeah, the the, fu- the fun stuff pays like shit, and the horrible <laughs> stuff pays really well. Exactly, exactly. So you know, you got to take the good with the bad. But as long as those bills are getting paid, then it's all right. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, I, I can't remember. I can't. I think it's William H Macy when he he did the. I think it was the second or third Jurassic Park movie, and he was essentially an art house, you know, actor. I remember him right. being interviewed, and he said like, they were like, you know, it's quite strange to see you in a film like this, and he just said quite brazenly, "I've got two kids to put through college." Yeah. 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 You know? um, well, there's tons of uh, tons of actors and directors who've done films that they really want nothing to do with, but they, uh, you know, the paycheck was just too good. Yeah. You know, I mean, whenever I hear, uh, you know, David Lynch talking about making Dune, it's it's you know he's not a fan of the movie at all. He hates it, but um, he did what he felt he had to do at the time. And since then, he's been uh, doing. You know, he's had a lot more control over over his own films and stuff. So. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but it happens. Ah, you know? uh, uh, yes, your mate David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, I do some work with. I'm very close with his um, the David Lynch Foundation. Yeah. So um, so I'm friends with those guys, and I've done a few gigs with them. So I've I've met David a bunch of times. Um, real cool guy. Real cool guy. I got to hang out in his house with him for a while uh, and chat. So um, yeah, he's he's definitely. Uh, and I'd probably say he's. One of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, director. So to be able to hang out with him and stuff was pretty awesome. Is he as weird as his films? No, um, I mean he's uh, he's definitely different in a lot of ways, but uh, but very approachable, very friendly. Um, you know, then definitely interesting. I mean, you could talk to him about pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, but, o- um, o- over here we we'd probably call him a, a bit of an eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I think he's just a good old-fashioned weirdo where you live. You'd, uh, well, you'd be surprised. I mean, I think if, if you didn't know anything about his films and you just met him, you know, at a coffee shop or anything like that, you'd say, oh, that's a pretty interesting guy. Right. You know, kind of a kind of a normal normal guy or whatever. But, um, but yeah, definitely very uh, very fun to, to chat with and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always cool running into him. 
Yeah, and it's. It, I mean, it's it's nice to be around um, creative people and people that you know that that you find inspiring because it it keeps you it just keeps you engaged, doesn't it? It keeps you wanting to just stick to what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and just through this whole process of working on this documentary, it's it's just been just more of the same, you know, in, in a good way, just uh, meeting all these people that I've been, you know, a fan of for so many years. And now I'm here and, and actually running into them multiple times and to the point where they get to know me after a while and, and they know who I am and, and what I do and they're into the project. And, uh, you know, we can, then we have sometimes enough time to just chat about anything, you know, and that doesn't have to be related to the project at all that, or I mean, whatever. So, it's, uh, you know, I love that stuff. Yeah, I mean that that is really cool. That I mean that is really cool, and that is a that is a, a knock on benefit of working um, on something that that you care passionately about, and you know that it, th- those people obviously connect with that passion. They see that, and you know they they uh, they want to be involved in it. I mean, I, I've it's an it's a it's a I'll be completely honest with you, Mike. When um, when this first came across. Um, I won't say my desk because I don't have one, but um, when, when you know when this first came across my email, Craig from All About the Rock sent me sent me an email, sent me your original email, and he was like, um, uh, uh, are, you, "Are you interested in uh, getting this guy on the podcast?" And I was like, "Right, okay." I said, "Well, I'm not really all that sure about the whole horror and heavy metal thing. You know, it's kind of to me, it's a bit passe. I'm not not really that interested. I, I think it's a." I think it's it's not as big a thing as people think it is, and mm-hmm. um, and then I kind of sat there and I thought, actually, <laughs> the <laughs> band I'm in, just about our just about our biggest song ever is called Motherly Love, and mm-hmm. starts with dialogue from uh, the Psycho movie, and right. it's, and the whole song is based on Psycho. Then there's a song on our third album, which is based on the Phantasm movies. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sat there, I was thinking, God, I am such a dick. I, <laughs> you know, I completely, I completely missed this. Completely fucking missed it. Um, and then I was, I was watching your, um, I was watching the, um, uh, the, the sample that, that you have. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm re- I was gutted when it finished. I was just like, Oh no! This is and literally in the space of about fifteen minutes of kind of scratching my head and thinking, mm, I, I'm not so sure about this. I was like, I've got to get this dude on the podcast. <laughs> and and so then I thought, of course, then I thought the gods of karma were angry with me because you said yes, and then we just weren't managing to pull it together. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, absolutely. And and the the names that you've got in the it, just in that trailer are, are well, it, it's it's like royalty, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate to uh, have been building really strong relationships over the past few years with uh, people who are either directly, directly connected to some of these guys, or people who can put me in touch with those in touch, you know, who work with them. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been a process, but um, yeah, I've, I've definitely been. I mean, some of these guys are definitely. Uh, I mean to have Alice Cooper and, and <laughs> Kirk Hammond. And, like, was, there, like, it's, it's crazy. I was just, you know what? I was, I was just going to say Alice fucking Cooper, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on. This is like I know. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. We you know, we actually flew all the way out to uh, to Phoenix to to get the interview, and he has his restaurant out there, Alice Cooper's town, and um, oh, so yeah, we're setting yeah. up there. And everyone there who works there is amazing. Just the nicest people. 
so we're getting in there, we're setting up and stuff. And then I stepped out for a minute and I came back and there's, you know, Alice Cooper just hanging out on the couch, just lounging out, you know, talking to some other people. And, uh, yeah, then I you know, just went up to him and introduced myself and everything. And he's just, just like a regular guy, just hanging out and just talking, <laughs> you know, there's no, uh, no weirdness, no, no, nothing, no arrogance on, on his part or anything like that. Just the nicest, friendliest, most, most approachable guy you could ever meet. And he gave us uh, over an hour of an interview, pretty much, and just just the most accommodating guy ever. So um, that's you know that's one thing that uh, that I've really noticed in, in this whole process that everyone that I've interviewed has just been the nicest, most down earth, friendly person. You know, they they even they could be wild people on stage. Once you meet them in person, they're just the nicest you know you could imagine. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been just a great experience. I have nothing bad to say about anybody. I mean that is uh, yeah that that's pretty pretty old. I I don't suppose you got round to interviewing um, Christopher Lee before he passed. No, no. Oh man. That's... Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Um, the project wasn't really in motion uh, at that time yet, and he's he, he would have been a tough guy to to kind of get a hold of anyway. He's, yeah. he's sort of in a different on a different tier. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Although yeah. also the perfect embodiment of the, of the two genres. Oh yeah, I mean he he would have been great. It's uh, a lot of these guys that I that I have interviewed, like uh, you know Tom Savini and Doug Bradley and all these guys. They they all run the horror convention circuits throughout the year, so they're pretty easy to to get a hold of. I mean I, I go to a lot of these conventions either to work on projects or to uh, to to volunteer or whatever. So I'll run into these guys almost all the time, and I was fortunate enough to get. Gunnar Hansen, you know, before he just passed away. Oh yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's... So, uh, so I was very, very, you know, saddened by that, of course, but also very happy that I, you know, had the honor of meeting him and, and interviewing him for this project. And he was just, uh, yeah, just the sweetest guy. He was, he was so cool. <laughs> that that's so. that just that's kind of weird. He just so doesn't play with uh, play against uh, the you know Leatherface. Well, that's the thing. yeah. I mean, that that's the whole thing is they, they play these really wild characters on film or on the stage or whatever and uh then when you meet him it's just just a regular guy you know <laughs> a regular uh, guy from iceland you know it's just uh you just have a regular conversation with or, or or whatever and um i remember the last time after the interview we were uh staying at the same hotel and he says hey so you know what are you guys doing later i was like i don't know we're just gonna be hanging out and grab bites to eat or something like that he's like all right well you know if you guys are hanging out in the lobby maybe we'll just grab a beer you know, at the bar or something like that. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. He didn't make it down. He was a little too tired, but, um, but yeah, he's that type of guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we, and we, um, we were supposed to see him again at, uh, at the rock and shock convention in uh, Massachusetts recently, a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, he had canceled that because of health issues. So at that point we kind of knew that things weren't looking too good for him. And we were, you know, we, we kind of predicted that this, this might happen, sooner than later and ultimately he did and it was sad but um yeah he was he was just you know everyone who's met him has just said nothing but good things about him uh so uh, that's such a shame that he won't be um that he won't be around to see this uh, this project completed yeah um, exactly. but uh, but what an awesome movie i mean that's that is without doubt my my number one um yeah that's my that's my number one horror movie without a doubt um, oh it's fantastic yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, um, have you managed to um, have you managed to speak to the ever elusive Tobe Hooper? 
Uh, we are kind of working on it. There's, right. uh, there's definitely a few names that, that are on the list that we haven't gotten to yet, but are, are still in the process of, of getting. So, um, yeah, he's up there and I do know people who know him and we're going to see if we can get that done. Oh, awesome. Hey, look, I'm, I'm doing all right for somebody who, who initially thought, <laughs> thought I wasn't going to do this interview, <laughs> aren't I? Um, yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm holding it together. Um, <laughs> no, look, I was looking at, um, uh, what, uh, yeah, the, the, the campaign is closed as of 5th of November. Yeah, it ran a two-month course, and we raised, um, you know, we were looking for 50000 and we raised about uh, just under thirteen, which is all right. I, I kind of predicted that would happen. It's really tough to get uh, to get money out of people, but um, yeah. with, with the money that we, I mean, even without raising money, I was able to get, uh, you know, pretty much 30, 30 interviews in the can already, right. just working out of pocket. So oh, that's um, cool. definitely with the money raised, I can pretty much complete most of the, the actual production. It's just... It's all the post-production stuff, you know, the sound mixing, the um, uh, couple of other stuff that we need to shoot because we're going to do probably like a short wraparound film type thing. Yeah. So we'll have to pay actors for that. And, and of course, there might be, uh, you know, there's attorney fees, there's insurance fees, there might be some licensing fees that we have to take care of and things like that. So that's kind of where the big money is going to be necessary. But uh, at the very least, I can pretty much complete most of the project with what we have raised and then I can just launch a new campaign and say, hey guys, you know, thanks so much and we're, uh, with the money raised, we're able to complete most of the production now, we just need this much left to uh, to complete everything. So, um, so at that point then we might be able to get a bunch more and maybe get some bigger investors to jump into. So we'll see what happens. Um, I guess the, the, the big challenge, as with any movie, is is a distribution deal. Um, I I mean, have you even are you even considering that, or are you just thinking that this is going to be basically the 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 Netflix Amazon Prime route, that kind of thing? Um, no, well, they're definitely uh, I've definitely been approached by a few distributors who want to sit down and talk talk about the project with me. So there are definitely some options on the table, and possibly some um, some other channels that we can that we can explore. So yeah, as uh, we're we're just kind of. I'm just checking things out. I'm not in any rush to jump, make a deal. Just said I want to make sure that we do everything smart and um, something that we can benefit the most from. So, so we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what some people have to offer, and then make a decision based on that. So, um, but luckily, it's not the type of thing that's really holding us back at this point. I mean, I can pretty much complete most of the stuff myself as far as the uh, the project goes, but. Yeah, definitely. Along uh, along the way, we'll see what people have to offer and what other channels are are available, and go from there. So, are you um, are you basically rinsing your contacts that you've made up all these years of all these years of working in the industry, and you're basically just just trying to get hold of as many people as possible, pull as many favors in, and you know, speak to people who know people who know people who work for people, and and just trying to get as much stuff done that way as possible. Yeah, I mean, um, I've definitely uh, definitely made a bunch of contacts over the years, and uh, this past year has just been sort of like, all right, so I knew a handful of people, and each one of those people could connect me to another person, to another person. Next thing you know, I'm just directly in contact with management and uh, and stuff like that. So, I mean, for example, like uh, getting Corey Taylor, I mean, that, that was a process that kind of went on for for a few years, not that I was spending all that time trying to get him for this project, but 
I had met him initially at the end of a Slipknot show some years ago, so that was the first time I met him. Then I met him again at, at a radio station, um, and I tried to get him onto uh, onto. A show. I worked for. I don't know if you've heard of the Howard Stern show. I have uh, indeed. I'm a big fan. Big fan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I worked for the Howard Stern show for eight, for eight years. I was a producer over there for his TV show. So um, I was working on trying to get Corey on on the show. But Howard wasn't really familiar with him, so it didn't really end up happening. But because I did at least put in the effort, I made you know a friendship with uh, with his management and and stuff like that. And he became familiar with me, so so they became very approachable down the road. And then when the time came to work on this project, I said, "Hey, you know, it's Mike. How you doing? I'm working on this project. Uh, I'd love to interview Corey." And they just put me through the right channels. And next thing you know, before a Slipknot show in New Jersey, we sat down for about 45 minutes. And did a great interview. So that's that's sort of the process that I've uh, experienced through this whole thing. Yeah, he, he he strikes me as a great interview. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a bad one. No, it's fantastic. And and if you're talking about a subject matter he's really into, then uh, he can just go on and on and give you some great stuff. I mean, he he was if he didn't have to go on performing that night, he would have given us about ten hours of an interview just talking about horror films. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's right, and 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 that comes across even in just that short little five minute clip, which um, which I'll make available on um, uh, I'll tweet that out. I'll make sure it's on the Facebook, and 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 everybody who listens to the podcast will, um, oh, I'll make sure there's links up there and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, that comes across in the um, in the interview. The the other one that I that I really felt um, kind of jumped out the screen at me um, was um, was Kirk Hammer. Oh, he was great. Um, yeah, he, but he just—he just seems it, 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 his 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 genuine nature just seems to just come climbing out the screen at you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, just just the way when he when he put it like it, that whole thing that he set up is just I've got it's just like I'm a fan and I've got all this really cool stuff. So why don't you come over to my house and check it out? Exactly, and and that's just you know anyone who's ever been a, a fan of you know an extreme fan of either metal or horror or both knows exactly where that's coming from. Absolutely, I mean he's he's uh, he's a big kid at heart. I mean he's uh, you know he's just he's a fanboy. <laughs> he loves this stuff. If you've uh, ever get a chance to pick up his book, um, Too Much Horror Business, it's just a whole book just full of stuff from his collection. You know, posters and toys and magazines and. All kinds of things, and that's basically what his his new uh, convention is all about. That he's been doing for the past two years, the Kirk Hammett's Fear Festival. It's just it's a convention, like it's just kind of a scaled down horror convention. But he he brings a whole bunch of his a whole bunch of stuff from his own collection, a lot of uh, life size uh, creatures, you know, Frankenstein's and Dracula's and uh, all types of Freddy Kruegers and all kinds of modern stuff, old stuff, a bunch of old posters things like that, and they set up a huge, I actually helped them set up the last one, uh, they put a beautiful display together um, in their space there, and, and people come and they check out his stuff, and then he, uh, you know, he performs, they have live performances, and, and that sort of, that really is just metal and horror right there, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, one of absolutely. the things that really inspired me to do this. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it was just, like I said, it was a, it's only a short clip of the interview, but I'm, I'm you know, I, I want to see the finished film just to see the, you know, the whole thing with Kirk, because it was, um, and like yeah. I said, it, it just, just that one little bit, just that one clip kind of encapsulated for me the whole, the whole meaning behind it. 
Right. You know, it's like it's almost like you were creating the the film version of what he was doing. It's like, look, look at all the cool stuff that these guys have, and and you know, it, let, let's basically let's all just you know fan out together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I, and, and you say it was that, that that was very much an inspiration for you. So, when did you actually um, start out on this this mission? Uh, I think I came up with the idea. You know, just just over a year ago, um, year wow. to a year and a half maybe, I uh, started filming almost a year to the day with uh, the first interview I did was with uh, Chris Jericho. And, um, but before that, I had been just working these conventions. I worked at uh, you know, Kirk Hammett's convention and a couple of other ones. Rock and Shock is another big one that has it's a huge horror convention. And then they also have a whole bunch of metal performances in the evening. So after doing that, I, was, I just started thinking, I was like, has there ever been a documentary that really explores how horror and heavy metal have come to be together in, in this way? And no one's done a project like that. So I spoke to my friend Robert Lucas, who's uh, he's been in the business for years, and he's friends with all these horror guys. I mean, he knows all of them pretty much. And uh, I said, hey, you know, what do you think about doing a documentary on metal and horror? He said, yeah, sounds like a great idea. So. I was like, all right. So I just started putting some ideas together and started reaching out to some of my contacts and some of his, his contacts. And next thing you know, we're lining up interviews all over the place. And uh, yeah, so to this day, I have about 30 so far. And I'm, I'm heading out to um, uh, Phil Anselmo's Housecore Festival this weekend oh, awesome. to shoot some more stuff. Oh, say, so, say, say hi for me. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't got a fucking clue who I am, but say hi anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these rock stars, it's hard for them to keep track of people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny because I was at uh, at the Rock and Shock convention a couple of weeks ago, and I ran into Doyle. And um, you know, we interviewed him last year. And, and I said, "Hey, Doyle, it was good to see you again. I interviewed you last year for the uh, Metal and Horror um, documentary." He's like, "I don't remember." <laughs> 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 he's an, he's like he's a really nice guy, but you know, you know how he is. He's like this big hulking type of guy. Yeah. He's just like I don't remember. I don't know. I, I can't keep track of anything. <laughs> but uh, but still, like you know, just a nice guy. Yeah, no, no, that that's awesome. And that's a lot of interviews you've managed to you've managed to pack into uh, into just one year of filming. Yeah, it's been it's just been crazy. It's just been back to back. I mean, sometimes I mean the conventions are great because a lot of these horror guys are in the same they're in the same place at the same time. Uh, of um, course, sometimes yeah. these big uh, metal festivals. Like I was just at. Um, not fest, you know, not uh, some yeah. nuts, uh, uh, thing out in San Bernardino a couple of weeks ago, and so there I got uh, like Cannibal Corpse, Guar, uh, Sepultura, things like that. I got Ghosts, you know, the day after that. So it's just a lot of times when all these guys are in the same place around the same time, it's easy to coordinate and, and kind of get one right after the other. So I don't have to uh, travel all the way to another state, you know, like with uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. just to get one interview but of course traveling all the way to phoenix to get alice cooper was well worth it so. oh yeah yeah i mean but that but that's that's interesting because you like I, I, that's a really really interesting you've got you've got festivals where you can get loads of musicians at one point and you've got the right. and you've got the um the convention circuit where you can get loads of horror people at, uh, in one place as well mm-hmm. so yep. it's um i mean yeah you've obviously thought this out um, and it's also it's it's interesting what you were saying about like you know you said to a friend you know has any, has 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 anyone ever done you know anything like this before because I you know as 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 a as a comedian I've been involved in writing a lot of um, 
uh, kind of failed sitcoms and, sh- and stuff like that. And um, whenever you come up with ideas like that and you run the ideas past people, sooner or later someone goes, oh, yeah, yeah, haven't you seen it? Oh, yeah, don't you remember? And it always right. seems like whatever idea there is, there's either something very close to it or it's been done already. Um, yeah. f- and, f- you know, to, to actually come up with something where everyone goes, well, actually, no, you know, that you've, you've, you've got a pretty much a unique idea there. Um, that must have been a buzz, just, just that alone. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the reaction, you know, from the, uh, from the band's management and, uh, you know, the horror guys, the metal guys, I mean, they've all been very receptive to this, even, even if they're not really, because, you know, the thing is, like, a lot of the, all the metal guys that I've interviewed are huge horror fans, obviously, but a lot of the horror guys are, aren't necessarily metal fans. Yeah. So you can have someone like Tom Savini or Doug Bradley and talking about heavy metal, but they really don't like heavy metal <laughs> necessarily, yeah. but they do have a lot to say about it and, and the connections and some of their personal relationships with a lot of these, these artists. But, uh, but also, but, um, you, but also you don't, you don't need those people in horror to, to like metal for it, for it to work though, do you? Because right. ultimately people who are going to watch it are interested in horror and metal. So, yeah. and, or they're just, course, you know, or they're just interested in metal or they're just interested in horror, in which case they'll, they'll happily sit through the bits that don't interest them that much to get to the bits that they want to see. Yeah. And people who are interested in both are going to love it anyway. So it, it's kind of a win-win, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even the horror guys who aren't really metal fans, they'll, they'll talk about, uh, how maybe their characters, you know, Doug Bradley will talk about how the character of Pinhead influenced the horror world or, or how, uh, you know, Gunnar Hansen will talk about how um, Leatherface has influenced horror and then ultimately how these characters have been embraced by heavy metal artists. You know? yeah. and, and so they always have, even if they're not fans, they'll still have a lot to say about it. And, and sometimes they'll talk about their personal relationships. You know, Doug Bradley... He's good friends with the guys from Ghost, and and he's hung out with Marilyn Manson. So they'll they'll talk about all this stuff. So either way, they're still going to link everything together from their perspective. So it's it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, no, it it, it sounds it. It sounds it. I mean, uh, yeah. Look, get me on your marketing in the UK, man. Right? I'm 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 well up for this. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, what I was going to that's uh, yeah. It's not exactly VH1 material, is it? Really. No, I mean, VH1 Classic, maybe. I think they might do, like, uh, that metal show is on VH1 Classic. I know all those guys. Um, might be something they might want to air. There's also, uh, yes, I mean, there's also new new stations popping up all the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, isn't uh, there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's, there's always, uh, as long as there's an audience for something, there's, there's an outlet for it. Yeah, and I think, I think now more than ever... Um, content is 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 so important and mm-hmm. and and broadcast quality content that is already made it's 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 basically it's a it's a no-brainer for um for, for a station who thinks they've got any kind of market for that right. um because uh, yeah it, it's you know it, it's already made you know you you're just it, it makes complete sense to get it out there and uh and, and get people to see it yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, especially if it's already packaged and, and they were happy with with the state that it's in, and, and there are no uh, no restrictions involved. I mean, sure, they'll they'll put it on their station if if it means ratings for them or, or whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, so yeah, that that'll be the exciting part is once once everything is just packaged and, and just done, 
um, then we can just start shopping it around, really. I mean, who knows? We, we might get picked up by a distributor or someone else before it's even the project is even done. But um, but we'll see what happens. Well, I but know the interest is the interest is definitely there. Well, I know there's um there there's a there's a cinema at uh, the Download Festival in the UK that obviously used to be Monsters of Rock um, uh-huh. at Donington Park, and there's a there's a cinema where they're always they screen films every night of the festival. Right. Um, and, um, you yeah, just make sure, make sure we stay in touch. Um, because I know some, some people over there and that would be fucking awesome. Oh, absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. So, um, yeah. Um, stay, I, I was going to say, make sure, you know, send me, make sure I've got your email or whatever, but you know, we, I've got several emails. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and and yeah, I mean, as in, would would you consider kind of like um, I'm running away with the concept now? But would you um, would you consider like you know premier? Would you premier at something like um, a metal festival, given that that's where you did a lot of filming, or some of these um, some of these horror conventions, or you know, is it just some? Or at the moment, you just focused on just get the thing done. I don't know. I mean, definitely, uh, it's definitely going to be hitting the um, the film festivals and. and uh... You know, again, I bring up Rocket Shock, but they, but they screen films there. Same thing with with Phil and Selmo's Housecore Festival. They have tons of films that they that they screen there, and, and I'm sure that um, once this thing is done, they'd be more than happy to screen at their at their shows. We have so the, we'll definitely yeah. be hitting as many festivals and, and conventions and concerts and whatever else uh, wherever else we can get it. Was well, there's also a um, there's a London horror film festival as well, mm-hmm. um, which which is which is very um it, it well yeah it's very um open as in yeah you'll have you'll have anything from just straight horror to you know stuff that kind of treads the boundaries of both like you know antichrist and things like that um right. but um uh, but that yeah that i mean again that would be um that uh, yeah i'm i'm honestly i'm 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 working in your marketing department here Hey, listen! <laughs> I can use all the help I can get. I'm definitely be interested in uh, getting getting more stuff out there. I mean, it, yeah. you know, even if uh, there's some interviews I can get with some artists out in the UK, I'll fly out there to, to shoot some stuff. Oh wow, that'd I be know, awesome! Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was thinking about getting um, uh, who was it? Who was it? Sorry, um, Cradle of Filth. I want to get. I think there were a few artists that were more UK based, but. Um, uh, I already start forgetting about <laughs> who's on my list. <laughs> uh, well, no, I know like uh, like Arthur Brown is is out there. Um, yes, and uh, he's definitely even though he's not really a metal artist per se, he's definitely one of the pioneers in theatrical, you know, dark theatrical music. Um, you know, his hit song "Fire" has has been, of course, sampled by Marilyn Manson, and uh, he's been a huge influence. And it's it's funny I was talking to. Um, uh, Alice Cooper about Arthur Brown and he said yeah we, we had kind of the same makeup but we started around the same time and we never really uh, you know neither one of us really influenced the other but we did meet and hang out and, and all this stuff so but uh, yeah I would be interested in, in speaking with him and just talking about how uh, he sort of introduced the more theatrical type stuff into his performances and he's he's still out there doing shows all over the place yeah yeah and you've seen um, have you managed to get anyone from Iron Maiden yet uh, working on it. Definitely right, working on it. Well, well, look if if you if you come over, I've got a spare room, man. You're you're more than welcome to um, you're you're more than welcome to you uh, use your use this as a, this place as a base. 
Oh, thanks, man. Where like where are you based out of? I'm in London. Okay, like around. Uh, I don't know London that well. I was only there once a bunch of years ago, but um, but yeah, I'd love to go back. Well, I'm I'm at, well, I'm out west in Ealing, which of mm-hmm. course you know has great film history with all the Ealing comedies back in the day and stuff like that. So um, so yeah, but anyway, look, um, <laughs> we um, it's it's uh, we, we we're getting we're getting all of this uh, figured out. Um, cool. Slowly but surely. Um, right. Has there any? Is there anybody that you've been that you've been trying to get hold of that you just you know you haven't been able to, or you know that has just been unwilling to participate? Um. No one's really. T- I haven't really had anyone turn me down necessarily. Um, but there, there are definitely some that are harder to get to. Um, like I've been trying to get uh, Carrie King and Slash, uh, D. Snyder. These guys, these guys have been a little bit trickier to uh, to get. Also, um, Scott Ian. Uh, they're um, they're guys who would definitely be interested yeah, in doing definitely. it. And I have spoken to Scott Ian directly, and he's he's definitely interested in doing an interview. But the timing is just always rough. You know, I've, I've been in touch with his management, and. Um, and they're totally cool, but you know, first time I reached out, they said, "Okay, well, Scott's working on a new Anthrax album right now. He's he's really tied up. Maybe after that, I was like, all right, fine.' So then I contacted them again. It's like, oh, Anthrax is going on the road now. Yeah. So it just it's it's very difficult to coordinate with some of these guys. But uh, but once they start settling down and the tour's over and they're not writing, then they're much more much more available. So um, so they're definitely guys that that are on the list I've been trying to get been having a hard time but i think ultimately i'll end up getting them at some point yeah. especially now that i already have so many people interviewed they see that it's a serious project and, and a lot of their buddies are already in the project so um you know so i'm not i'm not worried about it yeah i was gonna say you've really got you've got some you've got some great creds i mean christ you've got alice cooper so everything from right. da- everything is downhill from there isn't it really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much i mean he, he really is uh a top tier kind of guy here so yeah they see they see his name on a thing and definitely helps out a lot yeah absolutely you see you see alice cooper's done an interview for it you're like right okay we've got to be on that yeah um, yeah just it's, for the... it's uh i know it's it's funny i joke around with um uh ace von johnson he's he's in a band called faster pussycat and he's uh hang on no he's, he's kind on. of a newer guy he's, he's, he hasn't been around the way these guys have you know for so many years but uh a real cool guy you know him and i or have a good relationship now and um so he always jokes around he's like you got guys like kirk hammond alice cooper Corey taylor and then there's me i have no idea what i'm doing here but uh <laughs> but he's always he's always really really appreciative and, and very uh you know he helps promote the project a lot too so but you know he has a lot of good um knowledge of horror and uh you know he has tons of horror tattoos and all kinds of stuff he's, he's a major fan and he was definitely able to give some some great input for the uh, for the documentary, so so it doesn't they, you know you don't have to be yeah you don't have to be a huge guys who's been yeah. around the block for years and years. It's like if you have something to really to contribute, then you know I'm, I'm open to uh, to doing an interview. I mean I do have to be a little selective now because I already have so many. Yeah. So I, I've definitely had to turn down a couple of uh, smaller bands and, and stuff like that just because you know, what am I <laughs> what am I going to do with uh, you know ten thousand hours of, of footage to edit? It's just yeah. it's too much. Well, do you know what? It's a small world, okay? I'm going to tell you the story of my night so far, because it's, um, it's like half ten over here at night. 
Right. And um, I um, I was down at the uh, the garage in London, which is a venue in North London, to interview English Dogs tonight, um, mm-hmm. which is a like English sort of punk metal band, and um, um, I thought that they were playing the Camden Underworld, um, and uh, and so I just rocked up to the Camden Underworld, and I came out the tube station and I looked at the board where it says who's playing that night. And this is tonight, and it's faster pussycat. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did. Yeah, I forgot that they were actually yeah, up there. I know. And I just looked at it, and I was like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I <laughs> Rob, what the fuck? So then I had to get my phone out, find out which venue they were at, jump back on the tube, and get to that. Right. Um, and I was just like, "Oh Christ, yeah, faster pussycat." Wow, what, what, what? And then. Yeah, uh, a few hours later, <laughs> I'm I'm interviewing a friend of theirs. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, they're, they're a great bunch of guys. If you get to meet them, I mean, they're really they're really cool. You know, Ace is just just a fun guy to hang with and and everything. So uh, yeah, I definitely recommend you know What's seeing it? these guys. They they put out a great show and they're very uh, very approachable, very friendly, and, and and cool to hang with. So well, to be honest, I, I missed my chance. I was too busy cursing myself for being so stupid for turning up at the wrong venue. Um, <laughs> which which yeah, I, well, I think uh, I mean they're doing a few shows out out in the area, though. I think. Oh yeah, it'll just it'll be one in London. Yeah, yeah. and and you know they'll they'll be off elsewhere, but. Right. Um, but well, yeah, but I'm sure you can appreciate as somebody who goes all over the place interviewing people. There's nothing like turning up at the wrong venue to make you feel like a fucking idiot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, these things happen. You know, it's uh, what are you going to do? So, but, um, um, so look, one one question I wanted to ask you was, um, which I can't believe it's taken me this long to ask you, is so what's so so I am presuming that you are a big metal fan and a big horror fan. It's not just right. a case of you're, you're not just kind of like an outsider who thinks this is all fascinating, you know, or, or you are that, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. What brought you right. here? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm doing a, uh, I mean, look, I find, I find uh, astrophysics interesting, but I'm not <laughs> really you know, passionate about doing a documentary on that. Um, Thank but yeah, fuck. I mean, I've, I've been a horror fan since I was a kid. You know, my dad got me into that stuff and the early horror monster movies and stuff. Um, and but the, the heavy metal, funny, you know, interestingly enough, is I, something I didn't really get into a little later in life, around um, maybe around college. You know, I was uh, not really. I, I just generally wasn't a huge music fan growing up, um, for whatever reason. I don't. I don't know why. But the first thing I really started getting into was horror film soundtracks. So uh, just the scores. I was just into horror movie scores for a long time. And uh, then I started getting some of the other soundtracks, you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 soundtrack, things like that, where you started having a lot of heavy metal bands performing on them. Yeah. So that kind of got me in there a little bit. And then in the early 90s, I was a huge grunge fan. And then towards the later 90s, that's when I really started getting into the heavier stuff, you know, and started getting back into the, the older school metal, Metallica and Slayer and things like that. Um, ah, Terra, well uh, done. You know, then, of course, you know, Slipknot and all the more modern stuff. But um, but yeah, so that that was a little bit of a evolution in my musical taste, and ever since then I've been a huge metalhead, and uh, so horror and horror and heavy metal are my just two my two favorite genres within film and music. Yeah, oh, that's 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 awesome. That is awesome because it, you know it's 
it, it makes all the difference when it's a you know when it's uh, things like this are put together from a fan's point of view. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a passion project. It's not even you know there's some projects that that you work on because you know that there's probably going to be a good payday at the end of it. It's for me, it's not even about that. It's it's more working on a project that I could really be proud of and just it's it's fun, it's exciting. I get to hang out with some of my you know favorite artists and stuff, yeah. uh, hanging out with Kirk Hammett. And just in his green room, just hanging out and, and uh, you know shooting the shit and stuff. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about how this project is going to turn out. And I know there's a lot of support from um, from the artists. You know, like John Five is is a huge uh, supporter of what I'm doing. Um, got tons and tons of hits from people because uh, he had it splashed on the front page of his website on John John Five dot com. And oh, I was wow. like, wow, John Five has my project like on the front page of his site. So that's been fantastic, and I got to hang out at his house with him recently, and everything. So we're we're hoping to, um, you know, maybe work on some other projects down the road. So if this project doesn't just end here, it could branch out into all kinds of different things with a lot of these different artists. Now that I'm building relationships with them, so it's it's really great. Wow, I, what can I say, man? I'm really fucking jealous. <laughs> um, well look i mean I'm, I'm happy to keep you in the loop and you know, we can uh, definitely keep in touch through all this and cool man cool no i mean know. it's 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 brilliant i'm 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 really pleased for you i mean i'm sat here with a big smile on my face because it's um on, on a very very small scale i know what you mean i mean i you know i i just started doing this because i love metal and um because of my experience in the business i know i know a lot of people and i thought right okay i'll just start by interviewing people i know and then mm-hmm. it's just kind of grown and grown and grown and i've ended up you know interviewing people that i've been a huge fan of for years and years um and so i know exactly where you're coming from i know on, like i said on a much smaller scale but um i know what you mean it's kind of it's it, it well it's not work is it it's just simple as that it's not work yeah it doesn't feel like work i mean it, it is it can be very very hectic and stressful and, yeah, and things like that absolutely. I mean, every time i go to go to a metal festival or something like that doesn't there's never any guarantees i mean you can go there hoping that you can score an interview with you know uh, however many artists or bands or whatever but uh they could decide last minute hey listen i don't feel like doing an interview today and that's that yeah so there's always the risk of of coming home with a lot less than than you hope for but uh so far i've been been really really successful and luckily i mean there are some artists that um would be at these metal festivals or whatever and, and they would tell their management listen i'm not doing any interviews i don't want to talk to anyone and then you know i'd get in touch with the management and they'd hear about the project and say you know what i'll do an interview for that <laughs> so yeah you know so i was talking to uh, the george fisher from cannibal corpse and um he wasn't really looking to do any any interviews at all he's he finds most of the interviews that he does kind of you know repetitive a little bit boring not that interesting but yeah but, he loved talking about horror movies, so he was more than happy to, to give us an interview for an hour and then just hang out for another hour after that, just talking about whatever. And that's really so, cool because ultimately, again, what, what what's working is that whole, it's that whole kind of um, cyclical, um, it's not work kind of thing. It's like, right. you know, you're, you're out there, it's like, it's not work. I'm talking to really cool people about stuff that I love. And all of us, and, and even those people are realizing, actually, you know, I don't want to do any interviews. Actually, do you know what? That one's not work. I'll do that. Yeah, right. Because yeah, it is cause, just... I mean, these guys, these guys will go on, they'll go out there and they'll do interviews about their newest album and their latest tour. 
but it's always kind of the same thing for them in a lot of ways, you know. And, and oh yeah, it's not to say yeah. that they don't enjoy doing it necessarily, and they don't enjoy promoting their product, but to to finally talk about something that they are just passionate about, that they have a genuine interest in, um, and that's something that's different that they're not really used to doing. They they love that stuff. Well, that's why. So. It, well, funnily enough, that's part of the reason. Well, that's that's kind of what I try and do with this. I mean, if I'm um, you know, I'll I'll do an interview with somebody, and it doesn't matter if they've got a new album out or the last album they put out was two years ago. Um, the interview will be the same because I'm not really interested in asking all the same boring fucking questions that everybody else does. You right. know, like you know, what's your favorite track on the album? Why did you record in Paris? Did you like that producer? You know, and all the rest of it. And it's just kind of like I I don't having done it myself. The, the last thing that you want to do. Is is answer a question you've already answered ten times that day? Oh sure. You know, and so it, the whole idea, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole idea is to is to just have a chat like we're doing now. You know, is just talk about all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, whether it's relevant or not. That's why people tune in and listen because they they want to hear the stuff that that people don't ask. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of, uh, you know, going back to, to Howard Stern, that's sort of what made him so popular is that it wasn't just the typical late night show question and answer type thing. It's like, hey, so what you, would you do this morning? You know, who'd you, who'd you hang out with this afternoon? And, you know, just like a regular conversation, just two people just hanging out, talking yeah. about whatever. I mean, that's 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 the type of thing that really interests people is that it's not just the same thing over and over again, but it's actually... It's fun, you know. You're enjoying the conversation and, and talking about these things. Absolutely, and you want, and and it, it kind of it kind of makes you feel part of it. It kind of makes you feel like you're sat in the room, eavesdropping on right. on what's going on, you know, um, as opposed to you know, a whole you know a whole sort of scripted um, interview where it's you know insert question about product that is about to come out here. Um, yeah. Uh, and and all of that it, and yeah it's just it's getting people off the treadmill and um which is obviously what you've managed to do with a few people where it's yeah you the the minute they know it's going to be something different and not just all the standard stuff that's when that's when you see a different side of people as well yeah definitely yeah because no. you can you can tell you can tell when you're you know if you're interviewing someone if they're just doing it because you know, they have to, like their management says, look, you got to do these interviews and this and that. And you can tell when they're just not really into it. But um, yeah, everyone I've interviewed has just been really into the subject matter and they love talking about this stuff. And you can tell that they have an interest and in, 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 in excitement in, in the uh, the subject matter, which just makes the interview so much more fun and relaxed. And, you know, you're not stressed out like, oh my God, is this person just really not into this? And I'm, you know, it's kind of dragging out and it's not fun anymore. But Every interview has just been fun and, and informative and just interesting. Uh, I love uh, love talking to these guys. It's and it's it's awesome. I'm I'm really really um. Like I said, uh, you know, I, it only took me a few minutes to go from being yeah, I'm I'm really not sure this is a thing for me to uh, yeah, right. I really want to do this and um, uh, and and like I said, just that that small clip that you that you've got up there is um, it's really yeah, it just kind of gets the whole. Um, uh, spirit of the thing you've really encapsulated it in just that small five minute clip um, 
It's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, presumably, are you gonna have are you are you gonna have music from said bands and musicians and everything, or or does that start and does that start complicating the licensing process too much? That, that, yeah, that definitely starts complicating things. I mean, we'll we'll see what we can do as far as getting that um, getting that done, but most likely we're gonna avoid using any copywritten material just because when you know when you're dealing with record labels and all this stuff, it, it just turns into a whole mess. It turns becomes very, very expensive. Um, and there's so many other musical resources to use where they, um, there are companies that produce music where you can go into the search engine and says, you know, sounds like Metallica. And you'll have a whole list of tracks that actually sound like Metallica did them. So we'll probably do something like that just right. to save a few million dollars and, <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely yeah <laughs> but as far as the, the movie clips go i mean we do want to use some movie clips just because it can't otherwise it's just going to be a whole talking heads documentary which we don't want to do so the movie clips are a lot easier to obtain and um even if you can't use long clips you could even use just still images uh that doesn't cost too much but then we also have the fair use law here which says that if it's an informative piece if you're not um using the clips in any derogatory manner or anything like that then you can actually use them without having to pay any licensing fees so that's one of the reasons why we need to get a good attorney to really watch the project from beginning to end and thoroughly go through everything and say okay this is good this you got to shorten this you can't use and all that type of stuff but um yeah documentaries get away with using that type of material all the time because of the fair use law so that's what we're hoping that um we can use a lot of stuff based on that no, that's it. Well, it, it it's kind of strange to me that um, that still in this in this day and age where um, it's you know musicians are struggling to earn money that it's mm-hmm. that it that it still costs a fortune to license music for film. Oh yeah, and and the artists are the artists aren't even the ones who are getting the money. It's all the yeah. You know, they're record labels. And, but, and they these st- guys. Yeah, and they still haven't fucking learned that the world has changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, they're still fucking resisting. They really yep. are. It, it's, it's, you know, I mean, the, the whole reason that we've ended up in this mess is because they didn't fucking understand what technology was. Right. Um, and it's just ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's insane. And it's, it's amazing how much, you know, money the... Uh, the labels make and, and how little the artists have. I mean, there are interview artists that I've interviewed who say, "Yeah, we're broke," <laughs> you know. And these guys have been touring the world for for years and stuff. And it's just they. I mean, they, they make most of their money on touring, but still, it's um, it's not easy. You know, you, you think a lot of these guys have these big, rich, extravagant lifestyles and, and have tons of cash in the bank, and they really don't. Yeah, it's and uh, it, well, that's it as well. And it's it's always this it's always this concept that um, oh, they've got loads of money. Oh, they must have they must have loads of money. It's like yeah, money isn't something that you earn and then it just sits there. Right. You know, you especially as a band, even a band like Metallica, you've got. I mean, you know, what? Why does everyone think that they fucking tour so much in in Europe? Because that's where they you know they they earn more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they can do bigger gigs here. You know, they they, they can do huge festivals. I mean, they've just become the first band ever to headline Reading three times. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they headlined Download and Glastonbury last year. Right. You know. Oh yeah, and, and, and I, I mean, Jesus, I've I've seen the uh, you know how many people they have in those crowds. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And and then you've got rock hammering in Germany again, which is nuts. And there's there's no there's no real equivalent. And then you know Metallica tried to put on their own festival, and that lasted two years. And it was like, yeah, that's a that's a bad idea. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's it's very uh, yeah. It's not easy. It's, it's a very difficult thing, and definitely you know metal is definitely you know they're not uh, they're not selling out gigantic arenas like they did it back in the eighties. You know, I mean, metal is over here. It's it's all about uh, the pop stars. You know, the, the rappers and the pop stars. Those are the ones that really sell out the the massive venues. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say that Metallica probably is one of the few bands that could, that can uh, fill. You know, maybe a stadium if if it's really well um, well marketed, but uh, but that, that's a rarity. There there are very very few bands who can do anything like that. You know, I mean, um, one of the last big shows I went to was the uh, the Big Four show at Yankee Stadium where they had um, you know Metallica and, and Megadeth, Anthrax, uh, Slayer all performing there, and that was a pretty big show. But um, and which sold out completely. But yeah, it's it's very rare to have a gigantic festival that that really does well here. Most it's mostly much smaller venues um, that they don't even necessarily sell out either. So yeah. But overseas, I mean, Brazil or oh, the UK oh, or whatever, yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we still we you know yeah we still have our kind of we still have our tears over here of you know people who are going to sell out and people who aren't. Um, right. I mean, we I, I, I we went out on the road for the first time in twenty five years last month, funnily enough, um, and um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the majority of the shows were were great and 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 you know packed, um, um, but yeah, there's 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 still always room for more and it, it's just it, it, it's not just the fact that people have um don't have as much money as they used to it's it's very difficult getting people out of the houses to live entertainment full stop you know i mean yeah. um, i'm a yeah. i'm a stand up comic as well and and it, it you know comedy is, is is suffering because oh it's hard yeah yeah because it, getting people out of the houses is like well they, they've got fucking everything they need indoors it's all pumped through the internet you know you can you can Surf, you can watch a movie that you know you can illegally stream or download a movie that is that is still at the cinema right or you can go or you can legally watch a movie that was released a couple of weeks ago which has been you know simultaneous release and is on, on netflix or something like that um and um and everything really you know there's a lot of stuff geared to keeping people just in their homes um, oh absolutely i mean and some people just they really just don't care about the live experience Yes, they don't, they don't care how big the movie is. I mean, you know, Star Wars. The next Star Wars is coming out soon. I mean, that's something that, for me personally, I have to see on a big screen. But I have friends who would be like, eh, "I'll just wait for DVD." I'm like, seriously? Yeah, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and over over here, we call those people cunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we call them that here too. Yeah, yeah, oh, that, that, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they, Which is, yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> definitely true. Yeah, yeah, but, but, it is. but that's but that's how it is. Some people they, they just don't care. They don't care. To, I mean, I love going to concerts. I love going to you know big metal shows. I love sometimes jumping into the mosh pit myself and throwing some guys around. It's just it's fun to be just part of that whole live experience with the band, you know, right in your face and everything. And uh, some people they just they just don't care for it. So yeah, I mean, I, go figure. I know it's, but it's like Jesus Christ. What's the point in life? You weren't, you weren't, you weren't born to sit in a house all fucking day right. and all night. You know, it's like you spend all day, you all spend all day in a, you know, in a in a job in an office, 
and then what spend all your night in an office with a sofa you know it's just yeah. makes no sense to me at all i know i know it's it's a very strange and unfortunate thing i mean uh I mean, at the same time, sure. I mean, the, the one advantage to, to that, you know, for me is just sometimes you can see one of your favorite bands in a much smaller, more intimate venue. Oh, yeah. Um, that, now that rocks. I, I would yeah. love for them to be able to make a ton of cash and play out these huge shows. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I saw Faith No More in a small venue oh, just a couple awful. months ago, and it was just, it was amazing. <laughs> How come, really? They were in a small venue? Yeah, they were playing uh, at Irving Plaza. Here in New York, and, and it's it's um, you know it's a, it's a small it's not like a tiny little club or anything like that. It's, it's one of the you know, kind of medium sized sized venues, but um, but compared to like Madison Square Garden or, or yeah. something like that, I mean it's very very intimate type of place. And um, yeah, to see bands like that perform in a small small venues, it's definitely a lot more fun in some ways. And um, or even like a band, uh, one of the newer bands here in the states, you know, band uh, Avatar from Sweden, yeah, who's who's been a little more popular in in Europe. Um, they play tiny venues here, you know, yeah. and, and it just amazes me. I don't know if it's their marketing team or what, but they don't have a huge following here yet. And um, I, but I think their music is incredible, and I, and I think they could be playing much larger venues. But when I go to see them, I am like right in front of them. Yeah. With the band just in my face, you know, it's like they're performing in my living room. And there is something to that as well, to just have that sort of intimacy uh, with the band that you're just a huge fan of. So, oh, look, but, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, obviously absolutely. I would sacrifice that for these guys to be doing better. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is fun to be in that type of that type of situation. Oh, too. no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd rather play shows like that and I'd rather go to shows like that. And you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, it, the ideal scenario would be that you earn shitloads of money by playing small venues. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, definitely. And, and then, yeah, but, yeah, that you know, the 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 people who are creating, you know, this music for you, you know, are, you know, are you know going to be able to survive and going to be able to live off it, and um, you know, you get a you get a better show because, as you say, it's the, the the key word is is intimate. It's all about, you know, you can't you can't have an intimate arena show. No. Yeah, no, it's yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I do, I do understand the the appreciation the the artists have for being in front of thousands of screaming fans. I mean, that that's got to be a rush. But um, but if you you know, also if you're playing in a smaller venue where you have just a good crowd who's really into you, then then that should just give you you know a, a good rush as well. But um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love seeing the smaller shows. Although I will say that it's hard to top. When I was in my last last few months working at the Howard Stern show, I was in studio with Howard and maybe you know a few other people working on the show, and we had Metallica perform on the show, and I was standing about eight feet from Metallica as they're performing three songs on the show. Is that the foot? Is that the footage in the clip? Did you have um, you got footage from that in the in the, in not, the clip? not in the metal horror clip? Right. That was that was part of. I think what you're talking about the clip where Kirk's performing. No, or? you no, because you've got you've got you've got James performing. You've got James and Robert on there, and there's and there's Lars, and it looks like a small TV show. Oh, uh, or did you see my? Maybe you're talking about. Did you see my demo reel? I think yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that that was like a highlight reel of, of some of the stuff, some of my video production work. So that's all stuff that I shot. All oh, right, okay. Uh, over the year so yeah that, that's on um masproductions.com that's just my that's right yeah that's oh, a separate site yeah i've been stalking you everywhere 
there you go. <laughs> I got a problem with that. Um, so yeah, that so yeah that that footage you saw was from that that day, and that was just that was incredible. It, that that really was like having Metallica perform in my living room. Yeah, you know, I was to, to to be there for the entire interview, and then to have them performing right in front of my face was just uh, was just amazing. So um, that was the first time I got to meet the band and and Kirk and everyone like that. So. Um, so definitely meeting Kirk after that, it was it was a lot easier because it's like, hey, what's up, man? We met at the Howard Stern show. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, what's up, man? And that type of stuff. So these, you know, it's definitely I've had a lot of icebreakers over the years with these kind of things. Um, yeah, I mean that's that that's that's pretty awesome. If you're um, like I said, you you already knew him. Is that when you kind of pitched him the idea? No, it was, it was a little bit after that. Um, it was definitely a process because the next time I saw him after that was at his first. Fear Festival uh, convention in San Francisco. So we did get to chat a little bit, hang out a little bit and stuff like that, but I hadn't yet come up with the idea for this project. So my friend, Robert Lucas, who's a producer on this, is actually friends with him. Like he knows him, he has him on his cell phone, you know, like they're, they know each other pretty well. So he was able to work out um, getting the interview because pretty much any convention that, that Kirk throws, Robert's going to be there. I'll probably be there because I helped him set up the last one. Um, so now we have this relationship where you know we can run into him there and, and work out to uh, to get some time for an interview or whatever. So by the by the second convention this past year was when we actually interviewed him. But uh, yeah, it was it was a couple of months in the works, like just letting these guys know, giving them a heads up. Hey, we're doing this documentary. We'd love to interview Kirk at some point. So the most convenient way to to have done that was to just run into him at his convention where he's just going to be there all weekend and we can just sneak in, you know, maybe 20 minutes of his time to, to sit down with him and do the interview. So that's kind of how that worked out. Right. Okay. Um, now that, I, I mean, that's, it's, it, it, yeah, you must be, you must be absolutely buzzing at the fact that like you say, you know, you, you get to just like sit down and chill with these guys and, you know, talk about really oh, cool a- stuff. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, I mean, and just, uh, you know, like I said, just hanging out in, in the green room or, or just in the lounge area with, with um, Kirk Hammett or, or um, uh, Corey Taylor or whatever. And no one's in a rush to be anywhere. You're just kind of hanging out. And I could talk to, uh, like, hey, Corey, you remember that time you played at uh, whatever this concert was? And we had this huge rainstorm and lightning storm. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was crazy. And then, you know, we just get into this regular two guys hanging out conversation. It's it's awesome. You know, there's there's no, like... No, no one's trying to rush off or trying to get you out of there. It's just, hey man, we're just having a conversation, just shooting the shit, and it's great. Yeah, that's really that's really cool because sometimes, sometimes, do, you know, doing this as well. Sometimes you kind of get the feeling you are, like you say, you be you kind of being you're on the clock and you're being you're being watched. You've been rushed oh, yeah. out of the room. You've yeah. got somebody else. You've got you know, and some there's nothing worse than being on a production line where you've got to follow somebody else, and then you've got somebody following you. Um, right, and you know, you just kind of get this whole, yeah, this is, you know, this, this is not really ideal. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, the, the last time I was kind of a little bit rushed was when I was interviewing Guar at um, at Notfest recently, and it was just there was a very very small window of time to do to get an interview with them. So they, I'd get two guys at one time; the other two guys were being interviewed on the other side. And then once they're done, they have to come over to our side, and our guys have to go over there. And it was just—it became like a whole crazy little mess. Luckily, we were able to get—we were able to get a pretty decent interview. But um, but yeah, those aren't really the ideal situations where you have 
like a tour manager or someone just you know checking checking his watch and making sure that these guys get in and out really quick. Um, you know, a lot of times tour managers are nice guys, but they they have to operate a certain way and have to kind of rush these guys out as quick as possible. So those aren't the best situations. Although sometimes I've been lucky where you know talking about uh, um, Corey Taylor when I interviewed him before uh, before his Slipknot show. He, we, they told him, they told us we can get 30 minutes of his time. I was like, all right, that's fine, whatever. And um, so we get to 30 minutes, and his tour manager knocks on the door. He says, hey, Corey, you know, you have another interview. We got to get you to. And Corey's just like, hey, listen, can you just give me like 15 more, 15 more minutes? I'm on a roll here. So then the guy left, and we ah. finished up 15 more minutes. So that type of stuff is just the coolest shit ever <laughs> to have yeah. someone like him just say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to give you guys more time because I just love talking about this stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, so those those situations work out very well, and I, and I love when that happens. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Man. That that that's that's happened to me. Um, that's happened to me once, and it's kind of mm. like it. It's such a buzz when you know it, 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 to think that you've kind of you know you've you've got this kind of moment, and it's going so well that the person that you've you've been chasing and you really want to get is so into it that you know they're they're like they're being told they've got to leave, and they're going, no, I want to stay. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, know, or, or they tell you, uh, right, or they tell you, like, yeah, you, you can get like fifteen minutes, and then the fifteen minutes turns into a half hour, and a half hour turns into an hour. Like, it just it just goes like that. You know, the tour managers are always trying to get these guys in and out as quick as possible. But um, yeah, yeah. Once once you get them in the chair and they're on a roll, I mean, as long as they don't have anything really pressing going on anytime soon, they'll they'll just sit and talk as long as you want them to. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Well, look, speaking of sitting and talking for as long as we want, um, yeah, that, been a good hour. Yeah, that's <laughs> that that seems like a really cool place to leave it. Um, uh, I'm, um, I think this is, um, I think this is going to be um, a special December podcast. Um, uh, I've got another, I've got another interview lined up for that as well, which is, it's, it's so it's going to be a kind of real different kind of podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my listeners are all they Yeah. You know, they, they, they like the straight down the line ones, which is bands just talking about band, being in a band and, and I've done writer specials where I've had authors on talking about various bits and pieces, um, about, you know, books they've written about metal and, um, uh, and had some really cool authors on and stuff like that and, and journalists as well. And it's, it's, right. it, I try and get as much this year, the idea of, with the show is to get as um, whilst it's still focused on metal, is to get people, you know, from from all sort of different angles of the business, um, and um, and I know this will be a really really well received um, uh, interview, and um, you know I can only say on behalf of my listeners that you know everybody's rooting for you to um, to get this finished, um, and and stay in touch, man. You know, um, you've got my details. Um, are you on Twitter, by the way? Yeah. Um, oh, hang on. No, you are. The, tw- the Twitter and the Facebook are both uh, the metal horror. Yeah, and you know what? I I've asked you that, which is very stupid because um I'm I follow you on Twitter. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, the podcast is called Talking Bollocks, so I I I, w- I was um yeah I signed up um I fo- started following you a couple of weeks ago I think so um so yeah we're all good. Well, look, um so offer stands if you need somewhere to crash in London and interview some bands, no problem. Get in touch. Um, yeah, definitely appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll definitely cool. uh, take you up on that if if we end up um, heading out there. Absolutely no problem, man. Absolutely no problem. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat, Mike. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, definitely let me know when this is uh, up and ready to go and I'll share it on the social and the website and everything. Absolutely. Well, I'll send you all the links as soon as it's up.
Excellent. Thanks so much. Cool. No problem, Mike. Thanks a lot for getting in touch. Best of luck with everything. And um, when you finished it, we'll get you back on and we can talk loads more shit. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. All right, dude. Have, a Have a good day. All right. Take care. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you go. That was uh, me and Mike having a chat there. And um, uh, yeah, sorry, I've just listened back to the beginning of the podcast. Sorry, it's a bit uh, loud and creaky and I I distort a few times. So sorry about that. Just getting a bit carried away, you know, because it's nearly Christmas. Yeah, that's that's really not why. Uh, it's a, it's a horrible time of year for me. I'm always working with Santa making toys. Ha 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 ha! Because I'm short, you see. Regular joke that I hear every Christmas. Never tire of it. So um, to get hold of Mike um, on Twitter, you can tweet him um, at the Metal Horror. That's at the with a capital T. Metal with a capital M, horror with a capital R, all one word. The met at the metal horror um, on Twitter. You will find his um, the group on Facebook is facebook.com forward slash the metal horror. That's it. At, uh, and so it's uh, facebook.com forward slash the metal horror. You can get hold of him on both those plays uh, on both those pages. Um, there is an awesome uh, trailer for the video. Um, for the sorry for the film um, and that funnily enough is it's mm, I actually thought oh of course you can go to the website metalhorror.com that's metalhorror.com um, and there you can watch the uh, there you can watch the um, uh, teaser that we were all talk- that we were talking about well it's full on trailer actually um, and and it's really cool um, and definitely worth a look so get your fucking ears around that right okay um Coming up, I'm not going to hang around too much, guys, um, because there's another podcast coming on Boxing Day. Um, so I'm also going to I'm going to rattle that one off in a minute too. So um, that's the honest truth. So I want to get straight on um, with my interview with Joel Diaz. Now, not Joel Death, as it'll read in the description. It's Joel D apostrophe E A T H. Um, extremely tall. Oh, there we go. Another another clock going off. Um, Really cool guy. Um, I must admit, um, we we have become somewhat friends, um, and uh, we even talked about doing a Music for Nations podcast as well at one stage. But that's kind of um, gone on the back burner, quite understandably. Oh, fucking clocks! Honestly, this is ridiculous. There we go. Fucking this is this. this I grew up with this, right? No wonder I'm always looking at my fucking watch. Is it really? With all this shit going off all the time. Anyway, um, fuck off, clock bastard. Um, so, um, anyway. Mm. So, um, this is a Joel and I... Oh, for fuck's sake, fuck off. <laughs> really, really, I, I am going to avoid recording around on the hour. Um, there we go, yeah. Keep it coming. Keep it coming, you brass twat. Um, so anyway, this is me and Joel. Fuck off, clock. I'm going on without you. Um, this is uh, this is me and Joel having a chat around mine. Now, also in the background is the one, the only, Stilly Paps, um, who is uh, roadie to the stars. Started his career with Acid Rain, but has played with just about everybody since. Um, 
and uh, yeah, everybody in the metal world. Anyway, you'll you'll be hearing them all all about that because he's going to be on the uh, the Boxing Day podcast along with um, Gary. I did quite a chat with him. So anyway, um, this is Joel and I talking all things Music for Nations. How um, how the label got restarted. He is the the man in charge, the man um, who is bringing you all these lovely re-releases and all the rest of it. So uh, this is Joel and I having a chat a few months ago. Here we go. Um, so um, we are at Talking Bollocks Towers, and um, I have my um, my guest for this podcast is the the esteemed um, man behind the relaunch of Music for Nations. Um, his name is Joel Diath, but for the for the sake of this podcast and it's metal, um, it will be Joel Death for the rest of the um, the podcast. Also in the room. Um, just chilling in the background is um, is underground legend, acid rain stalwart, um, drum tech to the stars, uh, Stilly Paps. So he might be contributing um, occasionally to uh, to this podcast as well. So um, welcome to uh, to the show, guys. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Been a listener for at least three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, you have you listened to any talking bollocks? In all seriousness, I have. Yeah, I did. Um, but then there was <laughs> not been. I did, and then I got bored. No, they for some reason on my podcast uh, player, uh, yeah, they've not updated for a while, which even leads me to believe that you've not updated them for a while, or you've not done any new ones for a while. There's been loads. Right now, I, I <laughs> there's been three this week, and that's not a joke. No, I haven't <laughs> had any new ones since the Acid Rain special. Um, there's been quite a few of them. There's been one-to-ones with each member of the band. Right, okay. Well, Which that would we? explain why I thought, God, there's, there's a problem with my <laughs> with my machine. Right. They all just say Acid Rain Special. Now I understand. Right. Um, uh, no, <clears> there's the, the, the last one was with Pete, and then there's a writer's special that came out um, today, funnily enough. Okay. And that's with um, DX Ferris, who wrote the two, two Slayer books, Jeff... Uh, the sixty Slayer, sixty six and two thirds, the Deaf and J Death Deaf Dave and Jeff years. What the fuck? And yeah, and and um, he also wrote thirty three and a third. The um, he, uh, um, basically a a kind of historical account of the making of Rain and Blood. Wow. Yeah, I know it's awesome actually. See, I was very lucky. A, a few and years. And um, Joe, sorry, just a uh, Joe um, uh, Barker on as well from. Um, um, no, I'm you literally cut me off to go. Mm. Yeah, I did, didn't I? I did. Oh, welcome to and the it podcast. Was, it was such a great story as well. But welcome you, to the podcast. That's going to be happening a lot. You're not going to get the story now, but you are. Um, right, about on, four years. Fucking great story. This better be right. I just turned into Yoda. Fucking great story. This better be. <laughs> go on. Go on. Are you sure? Hey, yeah. It's about four years ago. I made a record. I mixed a record with Andy Wallace um, Ooh, in New York. Right. Okay. Which one was that then? Uh, this was don't when just, I was. Just, ma- don't just drop a record on us. I was, I was in management at the time. I managed a band from Wales called The Joy Formidable. Be aware, podcast listeners, there will be some references to non metal during this interview. Apologies. Really? But I managed a band called The Joy Formidable from Wales who were indie rock. There you go. Apologies, I've said it. But they were an indie right. rock band. And we were signed to Atlantic out of New York and we got our second record mixed by Andy Wallace. And I was like, fuck, Andy fucking Wallace. What an honour. And within half an hour of meeting him, 
first day sitting down having a cup of tea I got a Jeff Buckley and a Slayer Rain in Blood story and you're like oh my god this god. is amazing awesome and he was just like Rain in Blood I mean we knew when we were mixing it and he goes but really it was kind of me mixing it you know with um, <clears throat> Mr Beardy <clears throat> that it was going to be an incredible record and I was like fucking hell what a dude I mean imagine I mean what we're now talking that'd be 30 well, years next year wouldn't it well it's not just that I mean to, to put it in perspective he also mixed Nevermind he did um, he also he also mixed and produced and engineered Chaos AD oh, I thought he just mixed Chaos AD no I didn't no, he was writing there he was writing wow. there in fact he was the one I think also you'll find he mixed the Joy for Middles last record I mean, I think no, that okay. was the pinnacle. Of well, his obviously, career. obviously, that's the highlight of his career. But um, it was it was his idea when he heard because the Seps used to play because you know my mates. Well, you know, I've, I've never heard them called that before in my life. Oh, you have. I have not. Me and Igor, we're fucking bros, mate. He was on the podcast. You know, I still haven't got him down to a comedy gig yet. He's going to Gooner. He lives in North London. He's, he, he does not. He's a Brazilian. He's lived I, in North London for two years. Must be Northwest. Must be Wilsdon or Kensington. He's a Guna. Oh no. Yeah. What a shame. I know. But anyway, yeah, because it, it was great because I got him on the thrash metal Christmas special. And we spent half an hour talking about football. Um, and um, but anyway, oh, the first podcast I listened to was the one we did with Jem from Music for Nations. Ah, of course. So that's yeah. how I think because I literally just started at MFN, as in Resurrectsnet end of last year we announced in February but I was obviously doing a lot of research it's been a while since the label had been closed I've segued right into the subject matter here. yeah it's I know, good, love it. it it's great isn't it um, yeah, at least one of us knows what the fuck's going on and it was like and then it was like because I was um, I don't know how I stumbled across it but it was your interview with Jem talking about Thrash and Under One Flag which is obviously the Music for Nations subsidiary back yeah. in the 80s and and rough justice and because you've 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 re-released a lot of stuff off of those th- those little splinter labels, haven't you? Because they were that was all on combat. Yeah, it, that's exactly right. Yeah, I was going to say it's um, because a lot of those were licensing, and then it just happened that not too long after I started, I got contacted by a German colleague called Robin. It was like. I'd been waiting for someone like you to come along within Sony who I can say I've been working on getting this combat records catalogue up online or or just you wow. know being looked at because none of the combat records stuff was up online and talk about Spotify and iTunes and all those sort of platforms Spotify I know we've had this discussion but yeah. and, <laughs> but, we yeah, it again. but you have to understand not everyone is you know in their late 50s and, and they use Spotify you cheeky cunt <laughs> <laughs> fucking my age well you're a bit younger aren't you dude I'm way younger than you what, really <laughs> fucking way how, how, really how old are you then I'm I'm 36 Friday 36 <laughs> I'm 35 and 7 8 I'm 36 <laughs> on Friday come on it's my bloody birthday it's, this week I, 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 I can't believe you know it's like capping on where's my present Will there be beers? I just happened to look ten years older. <laughs> I was thirty-six, going on fifty-six. Um, so no, right. So well, you're nine years, nine years younger than me. That's literally decade. It is. It is, and will therefore validate every reason why I am right and you know, <laughs> inexperienced and um, and wrong. 
But um, so anyway, combat record yeah. stuff. It was owned by Sony. Oh, listen, really back. Yeah, handbrake <laughs> turn on that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> But it was like it, none of this stuff exists online, and and Robin and I kind of worked hard and kind of just make it available, and and it's been great because it's meant that I've since you know had a communications with the Exodus team, the Dark Angel team, and conversations with Sick of It All, and yeah, and possessed. Been speaking to Jeff, what a dude, cool. you know, and you kind of thinking I'm fucking talking to the guy who created Death Metal. Yeah, this is like it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty it's amazing. Like... And still gigging in a wheelchair. He is still gigging. I'm, fucking, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. He gigs in a wheelchair. And when you see the videos on YouTube, you're like, what? Such a fucking dude. I, you can't get more metal, right, than sitting in a metal chair with fucking wheels on, singing death metal, can you really? And that is there's nothing more metal than that. It's been a, a great pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I can uh, I can imagine. Um, I I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm they they the weird thing about possessed is that um is that it, it's they they're the, they're the band that get overlooked when it comes to death metal. Um, in in all seriousness, because we're obviously all three I think of us not for those in the know. I think those in the know do not overlook them. I think those in yeah. the know, those mm. who have done their Wikipedia research, <laughs> will yeah, understand yeah. that it was Chuck from Death who said, "Forget about those other bands. It's this who we should sound like." You know, uh, except with a better drummer. Oh, he, he was fucking shocking! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, there's a bit, there's a bit on the, um, there's a bit on the second album where, uh, or was there an EP before? The there was an album? EP, yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm produced just by Joe Satriani. No yeah, less. yeah, and and the, uh, at, well, yeah, at one point, <laughs> it does sound like the drummer fucking falls off his stool and gets back on it, you, you and they kept it in. I think they started different songs. He realised halfway through, <laughs> yeah, and he just yeah, absolutely, out. yeah. That. I think um, it's only because they've not released them in 30 years you know there's um... oh, fucking hell who'd do that <laughs> <laughs> fancy not doing anything for that length, that length of time I think oh. it's yeah. like, I think they're, they're probably too old to be able to do anything now aren't they because they'd be a good 10 years older than you <laughs> <laughs> there's literally decades with the plural I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, yeah okay I'll get, yeah I'll give you that but no I think um, it was a great pleasure and and now the catalogue's available for a whole new generation of people who don't have that big floppy black stuff that they put on the spinning thingy. And go to iTunes now, kids. Um, yeah, so. It, yeah, so it is. I mean, because you've got because there was there was there was under one flag, music for nations. Yeah, rough justice. Rough justice. Heart something and the one with a heart in. Oh, I mean, they they because labels appeared like sections of music for nations appeared overnight. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a case of just well that doesn't quite fit in with this genre that's just yes you know, yeah absolutely oh it made complete sense because the stuff that went on Rough Justice was well cool can I ask a question go for it uh, are you um, involved with all the Zappa stuff that was on that no uh, that was the Zappa story is a yeah that's a gem story it's not very metal but no the, the, the catalogue was the catalogue was sold to Universal I think a while ago it was a license 
the the the, the Zappa story I know of is that well you know Universal um, it, that didn't happen it went to Zappa's wife she sat on it just doing bits and pieces here and there and I think she has just literally within I think the last six to nine months actually signed a deal with somebody I think it's Universal so you think it's Universal yeah. Yeah. The reason we got it, what I understand, and this could be not correct, but from my understanding, um, the original Zeppa contracts made reference to vinyl and cassette tape, but there was no reference to CD. And someone within Music for Nations organisation said, well, there's an opportunity here to do a thing on CD, and they just went to them. And obviously the people that have been doing the vinyl cassettes weren't best pleased, but it was like, well, there's a new format. And now this is why when you get contracts, they say formats and every territory known on this earth and beyond and in the universe, because they just want to cover yeah, cover their asses and every sort of different... For those Zappa fans on Mars. But it's... Um, swimming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but there's... Um, that's the, all you've got I was like the, the, the whole Zappa thing's quite interesting because he was such, such a hoarder and he was such a he kind of recorded most if not all of his shows yeah. on tape and I've seen documentaries because I go through little Zappa phases now don't talk to me about albums or anything I mean I'm talking about little YouTube phases where I'll just gorge myself on Zappa documentaries and videos um, and he he had warehouses I'm exaggerating, but he had rooms full of reels with every show, and you're just thinking, oh, the the bootleg or the official bootleg or the reissue possibilities here are, are quite something. But he's obviously quite an artist. Mm. But my favourite song of his, I think the album recording is rubbish, but there's a live version of it. Um, Watermelons in the hay. And there's a live version of this track, which is like phenomenal. The album version's rubbish, but he's just one of those artists where the live versions weren't always the recorded versions. There was mm. always something about him. Um, oh, he, was like a maver- him. he was a maverick. Yeah, very few like him. And could a Zeppa exist now in today's musical no. climate? Well, 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 it depends because he might put it all out himself. But would he get no- would he get known? Would he get noticed? Very true. I mean, I suppose you're right because he's the kind of guy that would, wouldn't he? He'd do it all himself. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding the barometer of fame or you know recognition, and no doubt there are very many Zappa type like personalities who are doing it, but just don't get the recognition. Yeah, but I hope that I at least find one or two within my lifetime. Yeah, but I bet you do. Because when I used to scout, and my first scouting position was at a Mushroom Records, and this would have been. Well, just after I first worked at Music for Nations. Um, so I worked at Music for Nations like 99 and 2000 and I joined a company called Mushroom and I used to I get... I remember the Mushroom Records, yeah, big time, yeah. And I used to the get... The Mushroomy logo. Mushroomy logo? A wee. Yeah. It was Mushroom and there was Infectious Records. Infectious Records are still going. Mm-hmm. Infectious Records now have uh, Alt-J and Drenge and a bunch of kind of indie pop acts, but back then they had... Other indie pop acts. <laughs> you may as well just be naming fruit and veg, to be honest. <laughs> well, back then they had uh, banana, apple. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Watermelon. Yeah. More watermelon. More watermelons. <laughs> but I used to get the sacks and sacks of demos, and I used to stay overnight in the office listening to them all. So I used to do my work during the day, and at night time I go, I'm putting an all nighter. I go through, because I felt if someone has gone to the effort of making this music, 
and really kind of wanting to share it with someone and someone within the music industry, the very least I can do is listen to 30 seconds. Well, you need to you need to read a book called Kill Your Friends. I've read it. Yeah. I have read it. I'm just thinking of the chapter about where he where he's talking about like the amount of demo tapes and all the rest of it and blah 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 blah. You are you when you were describing that it's like you're the polar opposite of that character. Now what's 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 his name again? Stephen Stelfox. No, no 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 Nevin. John Nevin. John Nevin. I, I yeah. met John I met John in um Woodstock. Uh, oh, you just, New York State. Just drop something. Oh, sorry, it was a name. Uh, oh, I thought it was quite relevant to the conversation. I know, but I haven't met him, and I'm <laughs> jealous, you bastard. No, because I was working. I was working with a band from Wales. They're called Joy Formidable. May have already mentioned them. Um, he, They're going nowhere. Their, their manager ripped them off. <laughs> <laughs> They're now currently managed by Peter Katsis, who manages Smashing Pumpkins and Corn. Oh, so you didn't manage to completely put them off the business then? No, no, no. They're, <laughs> They've, they've, they've gone on to big. Oh, that's that, no, that seriously sounds yeah pretty cool. If they're um, if they managed to get um, decent management, I don't know how would you put it. <laughs> <laughs> that was me enjoying myself, um, and apparently never because this was like Truck Festival, which is a traditionally a festival in in uh, Oxford. Right, uh, yeah. they tried it in Woodstock, uh, New York State, and. Um, and he was there. John Nevin was there. Awesome. And the character of the female uh, punk band in the book. Yeah. Originally, was like, I think Ritzy from the Joy Formidable should play that lead. I'm thinking about making a movie, but this was four years ago. And several people have tried to make that movie and decided it's it's been greenlit twice. Well, you know, it's now complete. Really? Oh, well, you've not obviously seen the trailers. Yeah, it's complete. I know, but there's so many fake trailers for that book. No, 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 no. It's 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 starring uh, the about a boy kid. What's his name? You know the kid about a boy. You know I, the movie about a boy. Nah, what's that? It's, it's a it's a romantic comedy, isn't it? Wait, I'd rather shoot myself in the head than watch something like that. I've got to oh, be honest. Boy's a good movie. It's got a great soundtrack. Oh, Bandy Born Droid. Indie off. indie alternative soundtracks for a start. All shit. Throw those away. Frisbee out the window with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I look on your face. He's just like, oh, really? No, we've got fucking some... hate soundtracks. What about okay, Gummo? What Gummo? What? Oh, Gummo, it's a movie. The soundtrack is amazing. What's what's it about? Who's in it? Gummo is about two kids who grew up in a a tornado ravaged uh, mid uh, sort of midwestern town in America. Absolutely losing me here. No, no, no. And they only live in by shooting cats and selling the cats to the Chinese takeaway. And the soundtrack is right. Okay, it's like this. This movie, yeah, better not be, yeah sorry, it was like late nineties, and the soundtrack was. Well, this if you if you Google Dreadnought Sleep, Gummo, it's a classic scene where they're riding on their bikes looking for cats, and the Dreadnought from uh, Sleep plays, and it's just amazing. But it's got Slayer, it's got Nifilim, it's got Thrash, it's got Black Metal, great well, soundtrack. I, I, I'll, but I'll we're just... talking about about a boy, <laughs> which is the indie rock. Yeah, anyway, I, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just trying to think it, uh, who wrote in um, about a boy. It wasn't what's his name, was it? Oh, it was the uh, football. It was. I know, and I can't think of his fucking name. Yeah, no, it's that guy. We all know him. Nick something. Hornby. Nick Hornby. There you go. Yeah. So there's another reason why I haven't seen that film. Can't stand him. But the kid who in that movie is now the lead role in. Oh, I'd forgotten what we were. Why we were talking about this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm the one who's been drinking. He's the yeah. lead in. No, my, my Kill, your Kill your friends. Kill your friends is done. 
if you're listening to this, by the way, you need to read Kill Your Friends. Have fucking you started? amazing book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've started, yeah. You need to read Kill Your Friends and then go and see the movie, apparently. So when's it out then? Mr. Fucking. You talked without the director. That's well, it. Yeah, that's what I got you over here for. Is it Universal Films? I yeah, could... that just rounded. No, it's that... a it's a proper big production, um, and it's I've I've done the trailers just come out about a week ago, two weeks ago. Really? I... Oh, seriously, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I think the the there was it was premiered at a festival a week ago, and I heard that the reviews weren't that favourable. But yeah. it might then go back for more year to nothing. It just, that really it safe. really depends with that book because it's such a strong um, inner narrative and uh, and well, there's such, well, such a strong narrative, but there's such a strong um, inner commentary. The the narration is key to making that work. And, yeah. and the trouble with any film when you narrate it, as with Legend with Tom Hardy at the moment, is that. You know, you've just got to be fucking careful well, because it can it can just sound like, and in the next scene, you know, it I'm, just sounds like somebody trying to stitch two bits of the story together all the time. I was actually talking about I used to listen to demos at Mushroom Records, but we kind of got distracted. But yeah, absolutely. But I used to listen to demos because occasionally, like one in every five hundred, wasn't like, oh, this is actually something worth listening to. Yeah. But you're thinking, this is something really quite unique, and something which no other human would approach a song in this way or an arrangement this way. And I would hoard those demos, and I'd have my special drawer. Um, and it used to be really exciting because occasionally I'd find something good, and if it was very good, I'd sign it. But I would be finding that sort of person who'd made oh I've just made a I've made a concept album about fish and you're like okay can I hear it and you'd listen to it and you go you're bonkers I love it and you'd be like I can't afford them and I still have them and occasionally I listen to them and I go they're bonkers that's quite insane but those are our modern day Frank Zappas yes yeah 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 okay we oh, about Frank oh right now now yeah well done well done you're quite clearly steering, steering this ship because I'm happy to let it run aground occasionally, you know. Um, but that's that whole yeah is um, actually this all comes from what Stilly was saying. Oh, about, yeah. Like you know no it's all right. <laughs> no, you know I uh, just asking about Zappa, which is he is a big slice of music for nation's history. Um, but it, it's um, it's kind of where do you go now? Because you I mean I know you're putting out the Opeth. Yeah, it's stuff. It, it's all about about reissues at the moment. And that was, I think, the the plan from the start. I had been out of the... Well, it kind of should be, really, shouldn't it? Because the, the label's not been around for ages, so it needs somebody to come in who knows about it and yeah. go, actually, look, you see all this great stuff? This hasn't been available for years, and it needs to the word come I kind out of the cupboard, use, you know? The word I've been using often is shopkeep, because this label was acquired by Zomba, who then was acquired by RCA, and then was then acquired by Sony. Yeah. And when you go through those sort of transitions, by the time you reach Sony and they're looking at the label they just bought, who had then just bought, yeah, who then yeah. just bought. Uh, absolutely, like, yeah. You know. Oh, shit gets lost. I mean, I, I remember ringing Sony slash BMG archives and saying, I'm looking for master tapes of my band's albums. And he was like, What's the name of the band? Acid Rain. What are the name of the albums? Moshkinstein, The Fear, Obnoxious. Right, okay. Um, and what label were you on? Under one flag. 
Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. Part of Music of Nations. And he just fucking started laughing. Well, and, he went, and he went, yeah, probably uh, probably not going to find it. He goes, I, I might find all three. I might find one. I might find none. He said, uh, he said, but don't hold your breath. I gave him a month, rang him back, and he went, yeah, none. <laughs> none. Well, that one side note, drop me a line tomorrow. I didn't know you was after anything. I don't know if you still are, but... I can obviously have another look for you if you would yeah that'd be great who knows if they're on a format that exists anymore <laughs> um, well they're just the masters but to be honest I mean they've all been remastered now anyway but it might be quite cool to actually um, no it's nice to, to actually have the masters uh, although have no ability to play them whatsoever just sort of look oh, at big them old, you're talking about you're, we're sitting in a room with a big two inch real player you to be, obviously play on that to be fair to be fair I would imagine the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame would probably want them I've, I turned down their calls because I wanted to give them to you. But anyway, no, don't, well, don't, Howard, don't, yeah. You said that you know you tried to find them and they they can't find them. Yeah. So, well, where would they be? Would they well, there was be a, in a big warehouse. Oh no, no, shit gets lost, and I know that. Um, the stuff uh, get destroyed. I, well, I, I, I've heard the I've heard the horrible artwork conversation about yeah. music for nations. I don't so, really want to comment on that. No, but the conversation there is basically everything got. Uh, burned got sent to a furnace having been lovingly um, individually looked after and labelled and catalogued by and Sir Liam by Liam at the label he looked after everything and as Joel has um, eloquently described when you go through that label that label that label that label at some point someone goes what's all this fucking shit I don't know okay let's burn it then and but for tapes, you know, it's a combination of things. There was a fire which unfortunately resulted in a lot of original two-inch reels being lost and burnt. There's just also a case of, oh, I must remember that's there. I'll get that picked up two years later. Where the hell's my two-inch reel? So there's studios who just have vaults of them waiting for labels and bands to pick them up, and they just don't. And this isn't just... Hang on, the last studio we recorded in burnt down. (laughs) The label that's looking after the tapes burnt down. Take the hint. Yeah, take the hint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's... That's just not music nations. This is a symptom of of just A&R men and... It's a symptom of the industry, isn't it? It's just... It's nature of the beast. I mean, we... So they could be anywhere in the world, then? They could be. But we are talking not just... Acid Rain's yeah, wonderful no, collection. I mean, we're in the process. Really? I thought we were just talking about us. <laughs> no. All right, but, okay. you know, there are big high-level artists where we're going... Like Acid Rain, yeah, yeah. We can't on. find the two-inch reels. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's just forgetfulness. At the time, you don't realise the value, and... I suppose well, the thing is, the thing is... It's baseball camp I found. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the thing is, it's just... It, it, it's, it's a means to an end. The only thing, the only, the only reason that you, you've got a master tape is that you, you mastered to it, and once you've mastered from it, it it's, it's you've got your products. Yeah, goodbye. It's a fucking huge tape that no one can play and has no purpose. Well, so, the, the 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 main use of it now is if you've got the two inch reel, you can access the individual parts and you can remix. Yeah, and if you got at least oh, well, a, we never had those. We never. We always mixed down to a final. But you would have had the original two-inch reels. Um, you would have had to have recorded them 
two inch reel. Oh, we no, we would have had those, but we would have, but we would have, we would have mixed in the studio down to a Betamax, but yeah. put or, it on the be, no, Betamax cassette. More for, likely a, for mastering or something like more that. More likely a quarter inch. Yeah, but the two inch reels will still exist, yeah. and those will still have your individual tracks. They will exist. Not I mean, in the studio that burned down. No. Not in the studio that burned down. No. But no. everything kind of comes from this. But what's even worse now is everyone thought, oh, it's the disc rage. This is amazing because we can put everything on file. And every time I have the conversation with someone, it's like, oh, I've got to find that old hard drive. Or oh, I don't know if it works anymore. It's even worse than what it was before. Right, okay, yeah. And when I think on a personal level where I take those wonderful photos of those special relationships on my phone... And then I like three phones down the and line. We're still talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's like a, a, this is like a you know it's, it's a symptom of oh absolutely the, yeah the, yeah the digital... which phone has got the best dick pics on is what you're basically saying. <laughs> no, but, but you just lose you lose so much more for it being digital when the, the promise yeah. of digital was it's going to be easier. But the conversations I had with people, yeah, but the, but the thing is, the, the, what 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 we're what we're um, assuming there, the incorrect assumption is that the problem with this loss of master tapes and things being uh, and things being catalogued properly, that the problem was the nature of the technology that held the music. What we and and what we've obviously found out is no, it doesn't matter if it's digital or analog. The problem in the whole equation is human beings it's human error basically it's like well, you, I don't know where I've put that yeah but then humans have balls things up for a very long time hey been ballsing things up for longer than anyone else on this planet god damn it so reissues <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, there's a reissue campaign no. going on um, yeah OPEF is next next year yeah. will be my Paradise Lost and Crayola Field Focused Year. Um, Paradise Lost, famous um, acid rain support band. <laughs> well, true, st- true story, true story. Their first ever gig, supporting Acid Rain and Reanimator at Bradford Brog and Toad. Um, say they were shit is an understatement. <laughs> um, uh, hey, just, no, no, no. I mean, there's. I mean, is this just because their gig is clashing with your gig on Sunday in uh, London? Uh, no, no. I've, I've always thought they were cunts. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I, 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 um, uh, I, I, I tweeted um, Nick, or Nick actually, I think, in fact, um, tweeted tweeted um, Acid Rain because um, there, there, there was some di- uh, Twitter discussion going on over on in Paradise Lost Land about um, types of music and which what genre would they call themselves. And he goes, well, I, I can't, you know, I can't. Anybody got any suggestions? And somebody, somebody tweeted in UKAC, United Kingdom Apple Corps, and um, and he and he tweeted back and included us and just said, no, I think he said, I think Acid Rain have got the um, have got the, the the ownership of that. So I obviously said, well, being being part of the family, being part of the extended family, you know, feel free to, you know, use that. You can you can you can <laughs> be welcome. part of yeah yeah exactly. Never heard back, um, but um, but no, um, they they quite rightly has um, and Nick has mentioned in interviews that um, how shit they were that night. Uh, their first gig, they, I mean, I mean everyone should their first well, gig. Well, sure. absolutely. Well, no, apart apart from we we were fucking brilliant. Um, but heard otherwise, but. never did a bad gig. That's the truth. Um, but the the Paradise Lost thing was them 
they, I think they did five songs and they did one song twice. I mean, they literally, they'd had about three rehearsals. Um, and at that gig, it was the gig where Reanimator gave us their demo tape and Music of Nations signed them. Right. And it would be a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're welcome, Music of Nations. <laughs> You're welcome. That's much appreciated. Yeah. Um, and then all those years later, they actually finally get Paradise Lost via Peaceville and all yeah. the rest of it. Which so, is kind of bizarre. Shopkeeping. I mentioned shopkeeping a while. So, yeah, tapes get lost, all that sort of business. And I think there was my first job starting was going through the catalogue. What do we actually own? What do we sign? Or what do we... <laughs> what do we just licence? <laughs> and again... Um, what did we license? What did we um, sign fully? Well, this is the big yeah. This is the big thing, isn't it? This is this was the big thing. Yeah, because it's it. Those two were massively different. And I I, I kind of knew when I walked in the office is that we didn't have Metallica anymore. Yeah, but but oh boy, what a nice surprise! Still got Tiger Tail's Berserks. <laughs> <laughs> No, those... Three points, he shoots, he scores. <laughs> Get in. Yeah, when we... is that unsung <laughs> glam classic going to be crashing into the US top ten? Now the Come guy, on. The guys, I think they reissued it themselves before we got involved. Oh, bastards, so you got beaten to it. Got beaten to it. But... <laughs> Never mind. I must admit, they... Well, you got beaten to the Acid Rain one as well, didn't you? We did get beaten. That one was... That one was hilarious, though. I had a good old giggle about that one. Because I just like winding up Darren, who's a very nice man. And, and we've, we've, we've had this discussion, haven't we? Where, we have. Where you, you played tennis with Darren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as in, like, I was on the other end. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, Darren, I've uh, called him up. Hey, yeah. Darren, I've just gone through what Masters Music for Nations own and what I'm considering doing some research for. And... I'm looking at Acid Rain I'm going what a great opportunity to reissue the Acid Rain back catalogue and then and then I remember that you sent me a free CD box set of all the Acid Rain stuff signed to Candlelight and there's me thinking well if we still own the copyright why is it that Candlelight are sending me stuff that effectively that we own and big fan of Darren he's a super nice guy but he's like oh yeah oh I don't quite know I'll have to get back to you and then I heard him kind of just not quite know an answer and I thought oh wouldn't it be really horrible if I said oh by the way you're on speakerphone I've got my head of business affairs with me would you mind getting back to us as soon as possible <laughs> brilliant the phone went down he called back he said that effectively the band said they had the rights back and if that's the case that's the case I mean look yeah. again it's just Game of Thrones there's you know so much goes on, paperwork gets lost, and you just get into a position where you're just going, oh, you just don't know anymore. Do you know what? I actually, I know ex exactly how you feel, because I have been going through the minefield that is the fucking PRS. Yeah. And the amount of... Right, for a start, so, we, so our catalogue was signed to take out music, which was part of Music for Nations. Right? Some fucking publishing company came along and bought time okay and just fucking claimed all of it right has paid us nothing which is fine because we haven't been, we haven't been performing it yeah but the weird thing is because on some of the albums it's h kev uh ramsey mac adam 
And then on Obnoxious, it's it's like Howard Smith, Kevin Papworth, and we're down as as as, as writers. So I, so basically, of the three of the three main albums, um, two of them aren't assigned to me at all. Yeah. The third isn't assigned to me, and 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 then there's my official PRS membership number, and I've literally and so I'm on the phone to them going like, what? I was on the phone for two hours, yeah, and they were going, oh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> I was like, well, how about you fucking do it instead of me? And they were like, they basically, I had to go through, list every single Acid Rain song, all the song codes, and attach my name to it I and all piece. the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's right. Yeah, no worries. Where am I going? Um, through there. Straight ahead. There you go. Pull the cord. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, so it's fascinating, isn't it, Stilly? Well, I, I'll, I'll keep all this in. I can't be fucking bothered to edit. It's not the truth, folks. I, I, I would edit if I thought it improved it in any way. But, you know... <laughs> Joel's gone for a piss. I'm quite tempted to sneak up to the door so we can record him having a piss, but that would be a bit out of order. So, um, the, so that answers your um, your Zappa queries, then. Yeah, it's interesting. It is. Well, we used to fill up on Zappa stuff, didn't we? Going down to the old cupboard and just just absolutely pile it on. I got more. Vinyls, CDs, you name it. Uh, you fucking name it. We had the lot away. Well, that time when when I was with Dark Angel and you and Kev came down to, to the gig at the Marquee and we went to Music of the Nations the next day. We stayed at the Clarendon. Yeah. Uh, Clarendon, the... Don't uh, get me started. The Columbia. The Columbia. Yeah, yeah. fucking going at Brixton Academy. Like I didn't fucking notice that. Oh, right, okay. Nice. So, um, um so oh, yeah. So go on. Um, if you're re-releasing old, you know, back catalogue, yeah, music notes, um, how far do you have to look into it then? You know, because obviously well, you could get into trouble. Yeah. How much due diligence do you have to do? Well, I think you. There's. I don't want to do a reissue unless I'm speaking to the artist. So I just don't assume, well, that was released on Music for Nations. Fuck it, I'll release it. There's the, (laughs) you know. Oh, go on, fuck it, why not? No, because also I want to make sure. What I'm I'm thinking is maybe, okay, you you look at the back catalogue and you go, okay, I want to release Ludicrist. Yeah, that was on. Under what? On Combat. Okay. Um. And you go through the people you know to try and find out if it's okay. And you get the okay from your people, but there might be someone else I, I that don't, you don't know about. That's I do not ask my it. people. I'll ask the band okay. and management. Right. Because more often than not, they will know way more than my people. Right. Because right. my people work for Sony Music, and they're too busy dealing with... And they probably, Yeah, they probably went around them. They At weren't. The time, yeah, so. They're dealing with Bruce Springsteen, Dylan Contracts, you know, George Ezra, you know. So I'll speak to the band. And there's a general consensus that if the band and the management and I all think it's a good idea and we're safe to go, we'll go. And if someone pops out of the woodwork and go, what the hell? Yeah. We own this. Yeah. Then you will go, okay, fair enough. Yeah. We've gone down the fuck. We've gone, 
you know, we've already remastered this. We're about to release it. Do you want to, rem- do you want to release it? Because you can buy the new remasters of us. Or we'll come to an arrangement. We're not, you know, the acts that we're talking about aren't necessarily, you know, the Metallicas yeah. or, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're acts where you can have a, a conversation. Um, and well, also, because if you're dealing with the band direct and you're dealing with the artist uh, or, or the management, you, you're you're going to get a good. What's a good example is actually is I, I happy to mention this. But I reached out to Mindfunk, right, yeah. who released one record on Music for Nations. Yeah, your face like of who the hell? They supported Slayer. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. I just thought it was it was just Did yeah. Just don't believe the hype. Yeah, yeah, we went to that at Newcastle. They yeah, were originally called Mindfuck, but they yeah, changed them to Mindfuck. I know. Well, I knew I knew Louis, the guitarist, because he used to be in MOD, and we met years prior to that with with Billy That's when sure. they came to see us. And the That's bass player, well. bass player was ex Nirvana, ex Soundgarden. There you go. You see, we've all got a bit of Mindfuck knowledge. Who would have thought that was going on? So I reached out. Stunningly average album. They, but anyway. Well, the second one I think is a bit of a stoner rock classic because it's like completely. This was when stoner rock isn't what stoner rock was now. This is kind of pre. What I think's your. It was sort of sub Sabbath back then, wasn't it? It was like stoner rock hadn't really been invented, as it were. Yeah, I, it's as a proper kind of like that's the genre. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it, for me, it's kind of pre acrimony. For me, acrimony were your perfect stoner rock band. Acrimony, amazing stoner rock band. Right. Okay. UK uh, signed uh, to Godhead Records. I've not thought of them for a while, but anyway. Um, so, Mindfunk. I reached out to the bass, uh, not the bass player, but I think the singer who now runs a recording studio. I'm like, hey, dude, look, you released some music for Nations. Do you know if it was a license or not? I, I, I kind of hear different stories from. Liam and other people, some say yeah. it was a, I think we signed directly to you. I'm going, well, look, I don't think there's a a million records here, but I think there's a nice old picture disc. I think this is something we can do in a sometime next year. You know what? It'd be great if you did a reunion show, play Desert Fest, or, you know, one of those sort of things, and we'll do a picture disc, we'll do a nice little de- advertising campaign, put it to the Stone Rock mailers, we'll, everyone's happy. If halfway through that process someone will go, what the, we own that. Yeah. You go, okay, fair enough. You know, there's... But what happens if you actually really, you know, you get, say you speak to the singer from a band and he says, yeah, fine, do whatever you want with it. And then we release and it. release it and then the bass player who hasn't done anything for 30 years says, hey, hang on. Well, I think there's always a sort of, uh, who you account to then has to subsequently account to the additional members. So... If you make an arrangement with a singer, he will then, in good faith, have to account then to the additional members. That's not our responsibility. Right. We've been dealing with sound, so um, unless that, unless you're dealing with a singer, which is uh, which is me, uh, in which case, yeah, just keep everything to myself, not tell anyone. <laughs> That's not surprising. No, it's not at all. Um, always make sure everybody's. Uh, but what I did with Twitter, Music Foundation's Twitter, apart from. Taking the piss, uh, Howard. Yeah, is I've He's tried gone through every Music for Nations release, starting with MFM One, which was Agent Steel. Yeah, Unstoppable Force. Un- Unstoppable Force. Yeah, with the 
No, not Agent Steel. Sorry, Virgin Steel. Virgin Steel. Virgin Steel. MFM One. Virgin Steel. Virgin Steel or Man of War Light. And it was the the big snake on the cover, and he's got the sword, and on the back they're all posing with the sword. And I've gone through every MFM release and put up either the artwork or the video, and that's been a nice process for me just to go through the catalogue and go, what the fuck is this? Like the Beyonds. We had the conversation about Beyonds. Yeah. And you know, which of course it turns out was licensed. Yeah, this EMI. So I've reached out to a few people over there because we had a nice conversation, and you know, but nobody over there's got a fucking clue what you're talking about. No, well, you're right, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, you'd love to say no. There's a lovely guy over there who knows all about it. No, Um, did you speak to the band by the way? Yes, yes, with the conversation. Yeah, because I put you in touch with Neil. Yeah, yeah, I did. but it's it's you know it, there's there's when I went through the whole diligence thing or the shopkeeping thing, there was really only five bands that I thought we had license worthy uh, release worthy material for. Thank you very much. This is a real conversation. Well, no, because I'd already had the Darren conversation. Oh, so there was six, but now there's just five left. Now you've ruled six, us no, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rest. <laughs> Let and me have and my then moment. when when the combat conversation had happened, I then realised that we had killing is my business and business is good and um, bonded by blood and all the incredible combat records. And it was yeah. then all of a sudden lots of other gaps sort of yeah got filled. Yeah. But for music for nations outright license that we owned, there was like five bands. Um, in me. Sugar coma. <laughs> oh, of course, it was hang on, hang on a I've only got so many bullets in this gun. <laughs> no, bless them. Sugar um, coma. Paradise lost. Sake. Paradise lost. Who was it? What was the band that they had a girl fronting? Defenestration. Where that, the no, fuck's that? No, that was from? Dreamcatcher. Was it? That was Dreamcatcher. Oh right. And that okay. was obviously uh, of. Um, uh, Martin's label yeah 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 no no I didn't I, yeah yeah no I'd, I'd, I'd ascribed that to Music for Nations yeah in me no I had I had lunch the other day with a singer he's a very nice man he's he's not too bad well if you're listening singer your band sucks but apparently you're a nice guy so no John Brand still managing no he, he stopped some time ago actually he stopped some time ago I think he stopped managing bands I think he's still counting his money somewhere actually he used to manage Stereophonics take a long time so we had uh, spiritual... well, speaking of which oh I'm not sure if I can mention this actually because I'm not sure if it's out I, I can't we'll talk after the podcast about stereophonics no about something that a guy we were talking about earlier is involved with you saw him yesterday I saw him on Monday Paul Ryan yeah okay we'll talk about it later yeah <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those horrible bits of podcasts. That's where, not yeah, been announced yeah. yet. By yeah, that, that's, that's, <laughs> now, well, now you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. But so. it took me a while to realise who you're talking about, not just what he was talking about. Five bands that we had licences worth doing. This is like, masters that were worth doing again. And that Six was, bands apart from us. I mean, sorry, we had bands. Anathema. Right, great, yeah, good. Awesome band. Spiritual Beggars. Yeah. Good, solid band. Paradise Lost. Great support band. Crayla Filth. Yeah, alright. And Opeth. Yeah. But. Music One of those bands. Music for Nations was always so much more than that. Music for Nations was the band that brought to us Metallica. 
to Europe, you know, was the band that brought well, Megadeth yeah, to Europe Twisted, and Anthrax and Twisted, Twisted Sister. Sister. Rats. 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 Hey, out of the out of the cellar. Poison. Oh fuck yeah! They the put first the cat album. Uh, Striper. Fucking awesome band. Oh fuck off! Come on, no Come, way. Some of those tracks and those Striper records are brilliant. Colin. On you. See, they're all the CDs we didn't take out of the wardrobe. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's all the stuff. That's all the stuff when we went and raided Music for Nations cupboard when we were down there. <laughs> that's all the stuff that we would fucking take out, drop on the floor, and jump all over. Oh, there's some fucking. I know you're not the only person. I know. I know a couple of people who, who really like the metal and they're banging to. Well, you have to realise that God's glory has to idiots. come through people and in their spirits and yeah. they're great for doing that to be fair that's a very good point that's a very good point because when he's not collapsing churches and on his parishioners his he's bells. making shit fucking god rock <laughs> the cunt <laughs> but then also Music Nations wasn't just that it was in the latter years it was more great licenses such as Rogue Mail Rogue Mail <laughs> Stilly with comic timing, such great licenses as Rogue no, Mail. I, I think I'm not letting him get away with that. I think you'll actually find that was an out and out signing. Oh, <laughs> I, I he quite, shoots, he scores right up there with. right up there, right up there. They never quite reached the heights of Berserk by Tiger Tales, but um, well, that's the high watermark of any music for nations band. Do you know, either that or obnoxious. It's just they're, they're all quite special. They were quite special. What's been interesting is that I've been going back and looking at all the old catalogues and magazines they'd produce and give away. And they were like properly pushed. I think Martin was a big fan of Rogue Mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, well, they were on They were on, um, they were on. on that the Channel 4, wasn't it? ECT, yeah. Pete, our, our bass player, paid, played bass, bass in Rogue Mouth for a time. Did he? But yeah. he's, he's still going. The singer from Rogue Mouth is still going. Is he really? Yeah, he's what still going. What towns, though? The car mechanic, still, still. <laughs> <laughs> As Rogue Mouth. Excuse me? Oh, what, a male stripper thing? <laughs> <laughs> but, Come and get your Rogue Mail. But then, obviously, <laughs> really? the late 90s and the early 2000s, there was things like Tool and Neurosis, who were quality acts so which, which album did fucking Music for Nations license tool for them well Undertow and uh, Anima I I had Anima when it first came out and it wasn't on Music for Nations because no, I wouldn't have bought it do you know what it was I'd have gone down the cupboard it was on Zomba and yes. Music for Nations took it under their wing to do the whole sort of marketing ah, but it was thing. on Zomba it was on Zomba but so are you going to be able no, of course not. No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've actually seen the contract for that one, and it's like you even look at it, and we fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. Really? But you know, fucker. But that's fine. Like I said, it was just the the few acts that we so, to do stuff with. So no tool reissues, but fingers no. crossed, maybe some rogue mail. Maybe rogue mail. <laughs> okay, this is going well. <laughs> but then there was also the license, the 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 labels that Music Flashers associated them was, themselves yeah. with, which were great, and it's like rise above. Yeah, because that, that now this is your era that I'm that I'm, was, I'm, I'm I'm out of this now. So this and, was this was my yeah. era, late nineties. So rise above. Were you being much younger than me? Of course, at least decades. Yeah, um, decades now. Yeah, it was nine years earlier. But hey, <laughs> fuck it. So when I was there, it was Orange Goblin that just started. Um, right. People called Sally and Firebird and. Um, Firebird. Yeah. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That was in, it was the drummer from 
spiritual beggars was in Firebird as well. As well. Bill's brother as well at some point. Oh, was that the other guy? Yeah, he could very well have been. And I remember, I'll remember. i always remember when they released the first music by Sano. Sano, bracket, bracket, bracket. Right. Who are now Pitchfork Darlings, you know, headline festivals, all that sort of thing. And it was four Pitch, tracks. Pitchfork Darlings? What's, what's a Pitchfork Darling? Your readers, your listeners will know. It's fine. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. There's no hipsters listen to this. No, well, Pitchfork's obviously quite a, a tastemaker type thing. And, and Sano are quite a uh, a prominent force in the sort of doom metal. Uh, they did a record with... That would be why. They I'm... did a record with Scott Scott Walker. Right, now, I'm, I'm, when it comes to doom, the shutters are down, I'm afraid. Oh, I, love, I love doom. Yeah, fuck it. It's up there with reggae. And country music. So the first Sano, we did the first, which was like four tracks, each over ten minutes long, and they were just literally drone guitar tracks. Ugh, and horrible. and at the time, Andy Black, who was head of Music for Nations, <sighs> didn't didn't take too kindly to that being released. And I found Burn magazine, the classic uh, Japanese, Japanese classic, and uh, they. Mag, sorry, slightly racist pronunciation there. Um, that I didn't mean. They yeah, gave the uh, they gave the four, four out of a hundred. <laughs> I'm with them for once. <laughs> I'm I'm four out of a hundred. <laughs> what and a review! I had no idea that everyone had avoided showing Andy Black <laughs> this review, and I was in. And I'm like, hey, did you see the review for Sam? <laughs> What a humorless cunt he is as well. He came, I mean, <laughs> ripped out of the magazine, faxed over, faxed, faxed over to Will. <laughs> see this. So, uh, but then oh, that band have dear. gone on to do so much, and obviously Peaceful Records as well, which is what well, they've gone on to do so much. And apparently, um, Andy's a bus driver now. He's not now. No, no. We spoke about two weeks ago. All right, what's he doing? I, I had to call him. And this... I love the way you say that. I had, no, I had to. I tell you why I had to. I had to. to. They made me. And this is this is a podcast exclusive. Oh, okay. I've just completed my new Opeth box set, and I asked Michael Wackerfeld, the singer, to compile some liner notes for me to feature. Yeah. And he went into a, quite a bit of detail about Andy Black, about how because the whole concept of this release we're about to do is that. It was originally intended to be a double album. The label convinced them to turn it into two albums, but only for it to be treated as one album as part of the contract. So, Ooh. all this sort of yeah, thing. right, okay. So it was record a little... company shenanigans. I and what I've called. what I've done, but what you'll see is that we we're a lot friendly here at Music Formations these days. Because what I've done is that I've brought both the albums together. And I've actually put the press release correct in the wrong that we did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's, the whole and that's point, the ex- exactly the way it should be done. It's yeah. what the artist wanted. We'll do it. Blah, blah, blah. So that's the whole point. We did a mistake, bringing them together. So Mike Wackerfeld has been like, uh, his, his liner notes were quite, well... Explanatory? Well, he, he, he called Andy the devil. He made a pact with the devil, and his name was Andy Black, with his black hair... And his black clothes and his black Blacks, eyes. And his black soul, I would imagine, is coming um, next. He wow. terrified me, and you know, we we made an awful deal. And he, you know, and I was just like, 
I this this guy gave me my first job in the music industry. I can't sign off these liner notes, have them appear in this box set, and then at some point down the line he's going to go, what the hell? So I thought, I'll call him. <laughs> Hi Andy, been a while. <laughs> so I said, look, there's some things that, that Michael's said about you on these liner notes, and we're about to go out of print, and I've kind of got to sign them off. I can't not tell you about them. I'm sure there's a conversation if you're not happy. He goes, well, read them to me. Andy Black was a devil. <laughs> his hair was black and his eyes blah 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 blah. blah. We made the worst decision in our lives. Blah. He goes, sounds about right. And I thought, what a dude. Yeah, that's 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 Andy all over. I couldn't see him taking uh, taking offence at any of that. Did not stop him though from calling up Andy Farrow, OPEF's manager, and threatening to sue him. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but then. Andy Farrow does often need to have a bit of a. Well, Andy Farrow has to get the has to get the occasional phone call saying he's going to be sued every <laughs> few months. Well, I haven't seen Andy for years. A really nice guy, and I, I was very close to bumping into him the other um, the other week, but our paths never crossed. Um, well, I see him often. Opeth, Anathema, and Paradise Lost. He manages all of them, so we speak often. I'm seeing him on. Well, you might see him on Sunday because I'm going to go down to uh, most probably the Black Heart before Paradise Lost to meet up with yourself and Miles um, oh, you're meeting up with me well you're going to be the Black Heart before the show do you think um, no I'll probably be getting ready for my show fair enough sorry I kind of assumed that you'd be there but no. I'm going to catch up with Miles yeah well, well no, Miles will be at our show as well yeah yeah I, I, by the way you're welcome to come I, th- I think I might try and come along and then scoot over to Paradise Loft after yeah, yeah we're on at we're on at 8.30 cool okay you're being s- a Sunday night because we're because we're main you know we're main support you're main support slash special guest slash co-headliner Coco so it's just down the road it's, yeah it's literally down the road so you can come see us I'll find out what time they're on I'll find out what time they're on if they're on at 9 then I'll catch the first half and we walk down but um yeah, I'm meeting Miles for another reason. That's Miles Which, from Dry Heave Records. Dry Heave, yeah. You've heard him on the podcast. Joel hasn't because his app's fucked, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, let me show you afterwards. Though. Yeah, no, yeah, do. Because do. there's another exclusive. Oh. Next year, at some point, I'm going to release Speed Kill 7. Well, I know who's going to be on that. Well, I've already said. I've already asked Miles. And I think Speed Kills was like... Do you mean Miles? Miles, fucking I own the copyright on that motherfucker. No, well, I no. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. Nice touch, lovely. No, because I, 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 I want to reach out to people like Miles and go, look, I, my knowledge of thrash is limited. I'm happy to admit that. So I've always been the sense of I'm I not going to. It's all right. We we figured as much. I'm always happy to admit where my strengths are, where my weaknesses are. Knowing your weakness is a strength. Yes, as, uh, as 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 I've often been told, and uh, Miles has always, for me, Miles has always been, you know, it's always about the speed. And I said, well, I'm going to bring back Speed Kills as a compilation. That's awesome. <laughs> That's but that is great. I mean, just to, the, I'd I'd buy a copy of that. Yeah, and I don't know who the fuck's on it or anything, like, but I would because purely because it's Speed Kills Seven, isn't it? <laughs> After to. after how many years? Yeah, so. yeah, that's fucking awesome. That's a great idea. But I love that. That for me is what the essence of Music for Nations is about. Well, what you have to do is when Speed Kills uh, Seven come uh, is about to come out. Okay, 
Um, well, I have a show. It'll be on it, old stuff or new. It'll be no, it'll be new stuff, but it'll be a mixture of new thrash bands and old thrash bands who are still doing it. They've maybe only just put one song out in twenty-five years, so it'll no, be stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it's the real a, high quality stuff, basically. I, you know, there's a band called uh, Speed Trap, I think from Spain. Oh, they. Oh, not um, not appearing on an album. With them. <laughs> speed. <laughs> speed trap. The Spanish speed trap. It's speed trap seven. Is speed that what you're calling it? Is it speed trap? <coughs> they are cool. They're very cool. So cool. I forgot their name, but it's a. It's they sound a, like some awesome. No, but I see what you're doing there as well. Are, are you? Are you kind of almost deliberately taking a, a, a band from each country in Europe to try and? It wasn't. No, it's like one side's going to be new thrash bands. One side. How's that for language, eh? One side. And side other, A, is it? Or side one? And the other side will be side older two. thrash bands with newer tracks. And I think awesome. that's just like, Speak Your Seven, you know. I think, I think you... Look your, both ways. I think your old bands with newer tracks, um, I'd just be... That's just, that should just be us, really, shouldn't it? Just, just the one song. <laughs> yeah. The boys cut it really fat and loud. But no, I think... Uh, and it, It's just... Keeping that old traditional MFN tradition of discovering great new talent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm mouthing the I'm mouthing the word of a band to you. Well, I can't afford studio time for bands. To go, so I'm, I'm, I'm mouthing I'm, I'm mouthing um, the name of a band to you who should definitely be on there. Rogue Mail. No. <laughs> no. 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 Definitely. Not. We can talk after the podcast. Yeah, we don't um, have. To- we're but, not, it's not forever, is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did I did um, come and uh, record you pissing earlier. So, oh, um, piss like gonna a horse. On, that's going to be on, on the, uh, what, standing up it's in the street, two, you fucking weirdo. Two pints worth, sorry. <laughs> awesome, brilliant. That's, uh, well, you were late, dude. I wasn't late. You just took to communicating me via email. If you tweeted me, I'd have been, boom, there. There. And it's, you know, what can I say? So what else is there? Dodgy Sony fucking emails. Um, well, look, what I was going to say was, Speed Kill 7, come back, we'll do a special. Great. Come, come back on and we'll do... We'll, oh, right, we'll do sorry, I thought... I didn't know if you were talking with your Acid Rain head on or your... No, yeah, I'm, I'd no I'm talking well, about I, I want to do a show. I want, I, we, that sort of thing needs to have a show at the Underworld or something. The World's Worst A Spoilers. Speed Kill 7 show. Yeah. Well, I've been talking about... I and, and I'm just throwing this out there, live, on air... Um, I've been. I'm, what I'm looking at doing is, is doing a, a few spoken word sh- shows around the country, um, which are basically they're talking bollocks shows. So they're based in metal, but it will be me. It'll be me doing me- a, a bit of spoken words slash stand up. Not really, but stories about the old days and stuff like that that people know. Like you know, all the various shenanigans we got up to on the road with the various thrash legends that we that we went on tour with. But also basing it around a local metal celebrity who then comes in and we do a kind of free form chat like this with. But I'm kind of I'm sort of contributing like I am now, but also I'd be a moderator for any kind of questions that come from the floor. It's a, it's a kind of real open thing at the moment I want to do. Um, but if there's any way that we can help and do a, and, and kind of do a big. Uh, well, you, you know, just talk to Jim. A, a big. Speed Kill Seven show, yeah. Um, where we, get, if we can get a number of bands together for a, you know, a bit of a chat and a jam and the whole thing, it'd be there. It'd be fucking great. 
I think that... We can get, or, if nothing else, just get everybody on a big podcast. It'd be wonderful. Yeah, or piss up. Well, there's that. It'll <laughs> combine the two. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look, uh, Joel, um, it's been it's been a pleasure. Believe it or not, that has been um, that's been an hour, um, and we've still got. I can't fucking tell with that fucking clock. Look at the fucking thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you are a number. You are one of many people who don't like that clock. You don't think when Paul stays, it. when Paul stays over, he put that clock ends up in the kitchen because <laughs> it also makes an annoying noise. As well as being difficult to I tell thought, the fucking time. Have I been have I had that many pints? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. It has for you. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> no, it's been great, mate. Thank you very much for coming along. Really appreciate it. And um, and yes, B Kill Seven's awesome idea. We'll come, we'll, we'll get back to that. I'm glad I managed to squeeze that in at the end. Then, well, as no, the actor just, said to the bishop, it's hey. brought it's brought us all around nicely. Thank you very much. And there you go. That is the end of the. Well, it's not. Why am I saying it's the end of the? It's not. It, that that was mine and and Joel's chat there. Um, now um, it's certainly worth um, catching up with Music for Nations um, if you want to keep an eye on all the really cool shit they've got going. Um, so um, I I'm going to give you all of the um, all of the various bits and pieces. Um, you want to at Music for Nations on Twitter. That's at uh, music for nations, all one word and capital letters at the beginning of each word. So music, capital M, for, capital F, nations, capital N. Um, that's if you want to follow them on Twitter. Um, if you want to um, follow them on Facebook, the address is facebook.com forward slash music for nations. Again, each word with a capital letter. So music, capital M, for, capital F, nations, capital N. Music for nations. So there you go. Um, I hope you enjoyed that um, with Stilly's little contribution in the background as well. There'll be uh, there'll be plenty of more where that came from on Boxing Day. Um all that's left for me to say, guys, is a slightly shorter uh, podcast, slightly less rabbiting from me, because frankly, I'm just fucking knackered. I really am. Um, and I'm re- <laughs> I need to blow my nose, guys. Um, in fact, here we go. This is going to be your Christmas treat. Hang on. There you go. A bit of a, a comedy nose blow there. Um, here we we coming to the end of a year, another year, another year where I can't thank in I can't thank you enough for all of your, um, yeah, all of the people who are following, who who are listening, who are spreading the word of talking bollocks. It's fucking amazing. It really is. Um, met some more of you in Nottingham again. Um, so you know, keep it up, bollockers. More bollocasts coming in the future. Um, wherever you're listening to this, have a very very merry Christmas. Ho ho ho, and all that bollocks. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll be. I mean, I'll be seeing you on Boxing. I mean, well, I'll be talking to you on Boxing Day anyway. So get your ears full of talking bollocks over the Christmas and New Year fe- uh, period. Um, there is just the Boxing Day one coming out. Uh, the next one after that will be the January edition. So there's two podcasts coming along. Typical in it, like buses waiting all this time for a podcast, and then two come along. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, it just leaves me to now play you my favourite track of 2015. I'm sure most of you who've guessed uh, have guessed already what this is. Um, Needless to say, it's not played by robots, and it's certainly not got Portnoy on the drums. Um, So once again, happy Christmas, thanks for everything, and this is my favourite song of 2015. And if you haven't guessed what it is, well, I'm just going to play it. But seriously, you didn't know it was this?
and in case you didn't know that was that was acid rain plan of the damned and if you didn't know that you need to go and take your fucking christmas tree put a rope around it put a rope around your fucking neck and both jump off a fucking bridge right i've got no idea why you want to take your christmas tree with you either and that that whole concept just seemed to fall apart whilst i was saying it but anyway uh do us a favor go please go and fucking download it we we really do need the money happy christmas <laughs>